Hey guys, how's it going? Matt from Foul Ball Productions here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you're doing well. I'm doing phenomenally. Thank you so very much. This is the Culture Crime Fighters. We are the Culture Crime Fighting Duo. We're gonna we're gonna fight some culture crime. It's plenty of culture crime to fight. What's that? It's plenty of culture crime to fight. Plenty of culture crime to fight. I'm Matt from Foulball Productions, and joining me, my partner in culture crime fighting, is Vigilante Williamson. No, Vigilante <laughs> Williamson here on another episode of the Culture Crime Fires. I think it's forty-six. It 46? is forty-six. Look at me. <clears throat> I, I was like, yeah. I was like, you let me down there. You didn't give me the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you did. You yeah. did. Thank you, Vig. What's up, Zach? What's up, Kelly Childs? These people starting to funnel in. Hell, yeah, stream hell. element spot. What's going on? Yeah, uh, since you dildo's favorite, hopefully uh, dildo shall join us and dildy kind of rest of the the regular crew and cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you guys are as much of a part of the show as anything. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for. I mean, there's no, no show without you. Otherwise, it's us just yelling into the void. So we got to be close to our year anniversary. I don't remember. Our first episode was it February? It's got to be February because I'm looking ahead. The one year anniversary of the cocktail lounge is coming up at the end of this month, so Mm -hmm. I feel like we started this like two weeks after that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. It sounds about right. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. We only missed like two, two, three three episodes over the year. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Thank you all for joining us this whole journey of culture crime fighting. Hell. Uh, it's been fun. It's been really, really, really fun. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. great. And the show is developing. Um, yeah. We also have uh, additional content after this show ends, which I know will break your heart. It breaks mine. Uh, yeah. So I understand. We we're on the same page. So once this show's over, you can go over to the Patreon, the Culture Crime Fighters Patreon and listen to the Secret Identities episode that uploaded just 10 minutes ago. There you go. This week's episode is called uh, is called Relationships and Dating Fails. <laughs> yes. It, it's a lot of, uh, especially from my end, the fails. Mm. Uh, but it's fun. It was fun. It was painful. Sort of cathartic, but mostly painful. Mostly painful. So, mostly embarrassing. Yeah. There was a lot of fails from my end, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both. There was the date where I spilled that drink on that girl. Yeah. There was the one member when I left that girl the voicemail all drunk. Yeah. Drunk voicemails are never a good way to go. No good. No good. So if you guys want to hear us debase ourselves for your entertainment, (laughs) go to the Culture Crime Fighters Secret Identities Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you four episodes. About a bottle of water for each episode, and I think yeah. they're really, really good. I love them, so check it out. Yeah, actually, probably less than a bottle of water with inflation. So, there you yeah, go. no kidding with our goddamn economy and our president. Ah, yeah, ah, let's I go, agree. Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Um, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, man, please check us out. Please it's check out. us out. We, we uh, really appreciate. It. Some of that is probably bleeding over into this uh, show. Some of the, the conversational list. Uh, content. So, thank you. What kind of water? Any kind of water, even the cheap water. I mean, I guess you can get those super cheap waters. You can get like five or six of them. But like most water is like a dollar fifty to two dollars. Yeah, yeah. For the for the cost of a mid price bottle of water. Yeah, 
you can get another episode of this show. And a little more revealing, a little more uh, fun. Hey, Elvis, what's up, buddy? Hey, Elvis. How he you doing, pal? Out. Yeah, usually he's there, uh, you know, uh, dis- disbanding the, the physics of the expanse during those streams. So I appreciate mm-hmm. him showing up here. Yeah, good to see you, pun. I'm doing, uh, I put out a few one-minute one-ship reviews, Elvis, if you're curious to take a look. They're on my YouTube channel. I'm putting out one a day. And they're just those little, there's like, at the expanse, it's kind of a weird thing they did this year where, like, on the X-ray, on the show, which you could, it's the only way you could see it. It's in the bonus content. You, like, get these one-ship, uh, like, little vignettes. They're, like, four or five minutes long. I didn't even know they existed until someone in the chat told me. I was like, that's pretty stupid if they're that deeply buried. But anyway, uh, they're the one these little vignettes, so I decided to review them and put them out, like, you know, little one, little shots. Uh, so check them out if you guys are interested. Yeah, check them yeah. out. And the shorts, as uh, we joke with Brightest Day, whose channel has kind of grown with shorts. Mm-hmm. So I was about those shorts. So yeah, please check it out. Indeed. A lot of people are excited about The Expanse, even though it's the last season. I, I can just tell because the algorithm shows me other uh, what physics of The Expanse that's gone. Uh, but no, I, I see when I click on your stuff, I see other videos of The Expanse and other people who seem to be happy about it. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I like it. Uh, Elvis doesn't, but I I enjoy it. <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's lovely. Um, yeah. So, how are you doing, Vidge? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just uh, tweeted out the culture crime fires. I need to do more of that. I am like a social media retard, and I oh do like God. so little on social media. So I need to do better, as a uh, as they say. Yeah, I really need to do better with that stuff too. It's it's like, it's like you have six jobs, you know what I mean? It's like Yeah. You know, your your talent, your your production, your marketing, your you know, your everything. Got to got to wear every hat. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Well, um we can get into some culture crime fighting. I think there's some asses that need to be kicked. I do too. I do too. Do you want to start uh, with the uh, the reboot? Yeah, I do want to start with this Honeymooners thing. So shout out to, uh, I, I first heard of it from 24-7 Fusion Me. He did a video on it. And the first thing I said, this has to be money laundering because nobody, who, who among you in the chat now or anyone watching this playback said, you know what I really want to see right now in 2020? I want a reboot of the Honeymooners at all, let alone one with a feminist is I want a feminist focus reboot of the honeymooners. Yeah, she's gonna be telling him to go to the moon. Ha ha. But and she's I gonna mean, have sass. The original was actually fairly feminist because I mean like Alice didn't take any shit. Yeah, that was kind of the point of the show. Yeah, he was, the, was the clown. Thing. Yeah. She made fun of him. I mean he would threaten violence. But other than that, I mean, it was like she, you know, she never took him seriously. And she always, uh, what was it like? Uh, there's a line where she go, he goes, I'm the king, Alice. I'm the king and you're nothing. And she goes, that's right, Ralph. You're the king of nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? She, yeah, never, yeah. Like, she never took it lying down. Yeah, that was the whole point. It was the inspiration for, honestly, it's what it is that when you really look at it, Honeymooners was the inspiration for a lot of shows that will follow. Rather, every single sitcom ever. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, when you think of like anything from the King of Queens 
to Married with Children, to The Simpsons, to The yeah. Flintstones. So, you know what I mean? So it had a huge wide net of influence. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's it like, is still the model of like every major sitcom ever. It's like a yeah. fat kind of idiot husband and like a sassy wife. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of a templating of uh, sitcoms. Yeah. But I didn't I wouldn't have wanted a, a straight shot for shot remake of the fucking honeymooners. I, I wouldn't have wanted a modern remake and I don't want a feminist remake. Nobody wants no. a feminist remake. Nobody wants a feminist remake of anything at all. So my well, not is, nobody. I mean, Jesus, oh, Jesus. activists in right. Hollywood. That's all they want. They don't really want it. They just want the. They just want the clout. They just want the attention. They just the girls want really want it. Like the women that I knew in Hollywood, they are all about this stuff. They they are. It's it's every, it permeates every single thing they do, say, think. It's like a mental plague. Then why don't they watch? Because no one watches any of it. Oh right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's going a little too far. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. They want it to exist to like exist as like a ornament in their life. Like, yes, we conquered this. Match true Hollywood stories, which you can get on the Culture Crime Fire Secret Identities. That's why you need to check out. Uh, you know, extra plug for the Patreon. But yeah, they don't really want it. They just want it to exist. Like, yeah, women are great, and that fucking sexist show. We just like remade it. It's like okay. I mean, you know, it's funny because you talked about how you've talked to some of the woke people who really believe it. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, I mean, they really believe it, too. Like those girls. I mean, a lot, especially the, the, the men, too. I mean, there's, there's all these like feminist men in Hollywood. I think they're a little bit more beaten in a submission mm-hmm. than uh, than actually believe it. But I mean, it, it permeates literally everything they do. It's like they see themselves as like these warriors, you know, fighting this like this like ancient oppression that they're yeah. finally coming out from under. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. The self righteousness is unreal. They, re- you know, what that is another element. They absolutely think that they are changing the world, mm-hmm. and the world will be a better place because of what they're doing now. I, because now they're 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 making. They're ruining all, well, not ruining, they're, they're changing media and putting their stamp on it. They're calling out the fascists. Mm-hmm. They're, you know what I mean? They're stomping the patriarchy. They're that's making the white men of, feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's what like, critical theory is. Macho man, man. Be savage. It's, it's that literally everything that came before it is bad. And it needs to be replaced with this new thing. I mean, that's that's the the the, the soul of critical theory, and that's what, I mean, that's that's what they've all been, you know, like indoctrinated into believing, and so that therefore, they go out into every part of the world, and especially Hollywood. It's it's ripe for that kind of mentality. I mean, it's just and it's everywhere. It, it really does feel like living like in a communist state. <laughs> where like you can't speak ill of like the government, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just feel like you're kind of always like looking over your shoulder a little bit here and there. Like it's very, it's like if you even have a different opinion, and I don't mean like Tucker Carlson, rawr, I mean literally just questioning. Like, wait, hold on. So like, what do you believe about this? Like, I remember like having a conversation with this girl, and it was some ridiculous feminist thing, you know? It was ridiculous, and I was just trying to instead of like going after, her, I was just trying to have like a like a frank conversation. Just so wait. So like that point of view. Like doesn't that do? Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, looking at a mansplaining to me, and I was just like, 
You so so agree or shut up? That's like the whole worldview here. That's what I have to do yeah. to live here: is agree or shut up. Like, ugh, God. So you should have you should have said, "Well, I'm I'm Latinx, you bigot," and 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 th- tossed her for a loop. And she's like, "Oh shit, what do I do now?" I don't know. <laughs> um, because they can't when they can't answer, they have to have like uh, different ways of defeating you that don't re- uh, require being right. Actually, right now, and so. If you're mansplaining, that's that's the answer. Correct. I mean the 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 initial supposition, the baseline is that they are right no matter what. Absolutely. That doesn't get questioned. That doesn't come into play. They're correct. They know that. So any arguments are just you know distractions. Like I'm I'm reading this book. Like I said, Cynical Theories by James Lindsay, mm-hmm. and it it really does say like if you read it. You're like, oh, my God, it makes perfect sense because even in their own philosophy, it's like disagreements are are not, like, entertained. Like, you're not supposed to platform – that's why they say you can't platform people. You can't have yeah. critical conversations that question the ideas because that's against the tenets. So you just – it really is a overall conformist point of view. It's really yeah, kind of scary. Yeah, it sounds very cult-like. It sounds it very is. Jim Jones, very uh... – Kool-Aid drinking, Heaven's Gate, everyone wears the same Nikes to death. Like, that's very, don't question anything. Like, that's, like, very, it's funny. They're they're the ones that hate fascists, yet they've been able to subversively install fascism in in their own minds, really. They've 100% done it. That's crazy. They did it really deftly by exploiting liberal sensibilities Mm -hmm. so that, People initially think, oh, well, I mean, obviously, I'm not for racism, so I'm for this point of view. And then yeah, when it gets I'm so out of hand. Yeah. But then when you see how far it gets out of hand, like, by that point, it's too late. Like, it's a it's a great book. Uh, and it, it comes out of – I think that's why, like, James Lindsay, uh, I think Sam – is it Sam Harris and, and Brett Weinstein? These guys who are trying to fight to get the word liberal back. Because they are traditional liberals, and they, yeah. because they're academics, they see w- the difference. Like they see the departure. Like they see where the woke stuff went, and like where traditional liberal stuff exists. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why they're still trying to fight to have that because they believe in it. You know, they don't believe in racism. They don't believe in sexism. Like mm-hmm. they, they, you know, still hold those ideals strong. But that this offshoot is so corrupted. That they want to, they want to focus on that. Like that's where they're coming from. That's pretty interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that unfortunately for them, I think they've already lost. I think as far because I think liberal has already been. It's it's like a it's like hip hop, right? I can have whatever vision of hip hop I think it and think it's Jay Dilla and MF Doom, but it's not. It's a bunch of people uh, with auto tune singing about eating ass. That's hip hop, and I just got to deal with it. And there's no way I can change it. And I have to deal with, regardless of what it was supposed to be or what I think of it as, mm. it is what it is now. So unfortunately, if their if their goal is to get liberal back and get classical liberal, because classical liberal on the modern sensibilities is all right, like they're never they're, they're never. Oh yeah, that well, they anything- may educate people, but that battle will never ultimately not be uh, won. Yeah, I wonder though, because like, is it is it like a war of attrition though? Like, do you just have to outlast these people? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's that there's that angle too. Like, this is a relatively new concept. You know what I mean? It just started in the '60s, so it's not like it has it's not like ancient. It's not like it's been around forever. Like, it's this nefarious 
mentality that came out like all, like all this critical theory stuff came out around the 60s and then just sort of evolved and really took hold mm -hmm. like started to catch like the critical race theory the critical feminist theory all that stuff took hold like really took off in the 80s mm -hmm. so it's still it's still a relatively new worldview well, um, so I wonder if like if like if if like their mentality is to just outlast it and stay true to their principles, and then by you know they'll that'll lose steam and they'll like remain, you know I don't know victorious. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. This is why I don't think that'll happen. Zach's just talked about he's got he almost got banned from a subreddit for threatening that pushing a matriarchy where women are allowed to kill men is poor marketing. So he makes it like an obvious point. What an outrageous statement, Zax. And Reddit, which is already installed and already a part of the, the plan, you can't do it. This platform itself, which is probably the quote uh, closest thing to free speech that we have, and all we do is complain about how oppressive and, and how much they uh, suppress us. So they already yeah. have so many institutions. They already, uh, they've been in academia for so long. They've been in academia since we were younger. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. And they the, now they have generations upon generations. They're in a third or fourth generation. Like you said, if they've been around since the 80s. They're in a third, fourth generation of people thinking this way. So, like, to them, it's life. And they already have institutions on their side. So I don't see this fading away anytime soon. No, um, I don't either. I was just, like, kind of, like, wondering from their point of view what yeah. their goal is. Uh, I, I, I'm certainly not educated enough to know. Yeah. What the, you know, I just know that this is bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. I think at best those types can educate the, the normies because there's still millions of normies who still don't really know this is happening. They only find out when they go to uh, pick up their school or, or pick up their kid from a parent teacher conference or something. And there's a bunch of LGBTQ stuff and there's like rainbow dildo monkey reading to their like seven year old. That's when they find out something, you know, is wrong. They don't it's know weird, any though. of this. It's happening to people and it's it's almost just. Because I do think most people are just good, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mean like that they're, you know, volunteering at soup kitchens, but they just, you know, they just want their life to be well and they want their family's life to be well and, you know, whatever. So they're not going to like rock the boat or get into, you know, into arguments about this type of shit. But like my, like my mom's a teacher and mm -hmm. she's a relative normie. Uh, when it comes to all this stuff, I've been complaining about it for fucking a decade or more. Uh, and, you know, she always just thinks I'm crazy. Uh, and she, but she like in her school, she has all these diversity initiatives, like in her education and stuff like that. Like she mm -hmm. has to do that. And even I don't even think the bells go off for her. I think she's kind of like privately is like, what's up with all this diversity stuff? But that's as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, well, and, uh, I mean, like, there's other people that are in the corporate America and they have to deal with all this shit. And it's like they still like it's like it, it is it's right front and center for you as well. And it's not just behind closed doors. It's not just on Twitter. You know, it's like wake up. Well, it's hidden in plain sight. Again, when most people see diversity, they see anti-racism. They say, oh, this is this is good. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a corporate meeting, let's be honest, people don't really pay attention. Oh. So they just, you know, slog through it don't really notice and then you know they don't realize what's happening if you're aware of it like when i'm in these corporate meetings i can see like, oh my god here it comes yeah but the rest of people are just normies they don't know you know i shout out to the one guy at work uh who unfortunately for him got the coof despite being jabbed he doesn't understand why i know why but he's just this is what they told me to do and i did it and it didn't yep. work i don't get it what's going on you know what i mean so they it's don't 
it doesn't connect to them because they're not living in this world. They don't understand that. Uh, Zach says that uh, Ahmad yeah, messaged him and said anti-matriarchy propaganda <laughs> is not tolerated. What? It's propaganda to think that uh, uh, all he said it was poor marketing. You could argue that Zach was on their side from that. Like, hey, you know, we got to figure a better way to let people know instead of killing all men. And they're still like that's anti-matriarchy propaganda. Wait, what, what, the matriarchy oh. is queen. Yeah, yeah. So, stop. What? matriarchy is propaganda like your whole worldview is a propaganda thing like we don't further we don't live in a matriarchy or a patriarchy but we don't we don't live in a matriarchy so it's like what do you mean anti-matriarchy propaganda like so the entire like like disagreeing with anyone on this forum is is propaganda Apparently. you don't know what the word means you retard yeah what forum was this by the way zach yeah like, i'd be what- curious like what slant was this? Like watch is completely benign, like it's a transformers forum or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it probably, it probably is. I mean, well, you know, like we talked uh Carrie Smith. She's mm-hmm. the one who came on Friday Night Tights and talked about the knitting community. So of, of all the benign communities in the world, true that, that one got woke. Um, yeah. and speaking of going woke, um we got uh blackish producer. And Damon Wayans oh, Jr. Yep. heading up, heading up feminist reboot of the Honeymooners. First off, I've always hated the concept of blackish. That was always pissed me off. And I think it's a white lady uh, too. Of course, is it? I'm ninety percent sure. Of I remember twenty four's uh, video correctly because there was a there was a yeah, white lady, well, a black lady, and Damon J- Wayans Jr. Unless it, um, so yeah. But I just blackish and mixed this. It was just like insecure black people to show. Uh, it says Kenya Barris. Okay, then that That's doesn't sound. Oh, okay. Uh, he's the creator of the sitcom Blackish. Yeah, but I don't think it's the creator. It's just one of the producers, I believe. I, I also don't like. I don't like this show because it's uh, any clip I've ever seen. It's just like this, ugh, like gross like echo chamber mm-hmm. where like uh you know these activists get to sound off and then like the the, the white characters just have to listen and it, it's it's just like ugh. like this is this comedy where you just like yell at your opinions at people like oh god yeah it, it was i never liked the concept like what the fuck does that mean is i think the thing that pisses me off the most with liberalism um and unfortunately, the, I, the, the Twitter is gone. But it's this because uh, Cosmic Fusion so, showed me this Twitter of this black guy talking about uh, liking classical music more than trap. And some goofy white guy says, oh, well, you're perpetuating uh, white supremacy by not liking trap music. And it's like, OK, wow. this, these liberal white people are completely white supremacists and no with no exaggeration because they they feel black people deserve and are supposed to be in these certain spaces that they are and anytime they try to get out of them that's when it's like they 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 literally box black people into these spaces that's why i don't like seeing something like blackish because it's just like so you say anyone who's successful is losing their black card is that what you're trying to imply fucking abc go eat a bag of dicks it's such Fuck a weird off. thing too because it's been like that for a while. Like I remember watching um I think it was I Love the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, remember that VH1 show? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love the it, show. Yeah, and they were talking about uh the Cosby show. 
Mm-hmm. And at, at the time, the Cosby Show kind of was like, it was a beloved show, but there were a lot of people, I don't know if there were a lot of people, but there were people who like didn't like it because it didn't reflect like the black experience accurately. Yeah. But, but then I remember people like on the show being like, I'm black. That's how I grew up. Like it's yeah. not, you know I mean? But it's, it, it really is like there can only be one vision of how black Americans exist. Yeah, and that's the, the one that needs to be adhered to. Yeah, monolith. Yeah, yeah. It's this. We're all poor monolith. And uh-huh. you know, listen, I, I've struggled a ton in my life. I, I definitely don't come from money, uh, but I also had a bunch of like normal stuff happen, and it wasn't also, like also. You're an individual. Yeah, all people are. But <laughs> yeah. you know what? They they toss out individualism so early in their their pro- indoctrination and programming, they forget about it. They oh, forget 100%. about the concept of individualism. Well, isn't isn't that white supremacy? Isn't that one of the oh, things? Oh yeah, individuality. Is. I mean that that if, from their worldview, I mean that makes perfect sense. You know, it's like because they can't, you can't have an individual because individuals will question. So indiv- you have to go along with the program. So individualism in their worldview would be white supremacy because it's like yeah. anything contrary to uh, their worldview is is you know what insert pejorative here. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't even to- matter. Just Josh and Rough Girl, who says her life was great. She's black. Hell, Rough Girl, and hey, and Rough a girl. Uh, uh, a service service woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This country, thank you for your yeah, service, service, Rough country. Girl. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Just Josh says women uh, written well can be complex and tough and feminine. You don't have to drag men down to have women be cool. Absolutely. No. I think that's what the fandom has been saying forever. Ever since this started, the fandom menace, all that shit. That's where that came from. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't have to be like that. But when you see it from a critical theory lens, it makes perfect sense. Because, like I said, their entire worldview is to tear down everything that came before. Because that's all bad. None of it's yeah. none of it was good, ever. Yeah, and that's all they know, honestly. <clears throat> yeah. All they know is how to tear things down. That That's the everything they did do. Even outside of the gender thing, I was talking about with the Superman thing. They had to tear down Superman. They never write mm-hmm. a story about building up, you know, a black character or anything like that. Like, no, let's fuck Superman in the ass with a with a red hot poker. That'll that'll improve black people's lives some way, somehow. It's like, no, it won't. It's just it's mean and it's tear down a, a really great character for no fucking reason. What's funny is that if you said that to like, you know, one of these like SJWs or whatever, they'd be like, oh, that's not why they do it. That's not what that is. But then if you ask the creator yeah. why he did it, that's what he would say. He literally you know, says that basically. Yeah. It's not it's not you reading into it. Like that's exactly his motivations. That's what he said. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Um, yeah, let's so let's uh, let's read this in this article. Yeah. Okay. Some are going to say pow to the moon, Alice, at this. Uh, apparently, he never said uh, pow to the moon. He either said pow or to the – anyway. Uh, the, honey, the Honeymooners, the famous 1950s sitcom starring Jackie Gleason and Art Carney, is being reimagined for a new CBS series in development. Wait, stop before we go up. Go back to the picture. Uh-huh. That one. It looks like Draco was in The Honeymooners just from Kinda the same does. Yeah, he does yeah. look like Ed Norton, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's Rick funny. was a time traveler confirmed. Yep, he's a vampire. There you go. Um, producer for ABC sitcoms Blackish and Mix Mixedish. What's yeah. Mixedish? Is that a it thing? was a spinoff from Blackish? How'd that do? I don't remember because I never, never saw it. Heard of that? Yeah. Well, I never. So, I've never actually seen an episode of Blackish either. Mixed-ish. Yeah, me neither. I saw one 
at a barbershop, and I was not impressed. Wait, you know who's in it is uh, Zach from Saved by the Bell. Billy. Mark Paul Gosler's in it. <laughs> well, it's good to see he's still working, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah, Lindsay Shockley singer. is a white girl. Yeah. And she'll tell black people how to, how to behave. Mixed-ish. She'll t- tell black people how to behave and think. She has their fi- her finger on the button with the blacks. I mean, I have she no knows. idea what the story of this is. It could, I mean, it probably is just a bland, or it could be benign. I don't know. I've never seen it. I can't imagine it is. If it's on CBS, it's got to be packed yeah. with agenda. But uh, anyway. Um, but you know what? Real quick, I just want to. Yeah. Because again, Lindsay Shockley's a white woman. It's, oh, and is I, she? Yeah, she's a white oh, woman, okay. and they do the thing. Remember, they the one. They're the ones who came up with the. You're not supposed to write for the wrong gender, ah, good uh, point. race. But for whatever reason, this one group. I'm not. I love you know. Love some of y'all white ladies. Y'all are cool. But this group is like immune to that. White women can just slide anywhere they want and be and do anything, no matter they what. They had the a context moment. Is. There was a moment where they were they were losing foothold. Uh, yeah. and it was during the Karen thing. Yeah, we still uh, haven't reviewed the movie because I don't think any of us. No, I mean I can't go back and watch that. But it was, <laughs> but I mean, but but during that whole Karen epidemic, like that's white women were really starting to lose footing, and you could see them kind of be like, hey, hey, wait a minute, no, 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 not us. It's yeah. the men. We're not. We're 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 victims. You know, we're we're part of it. We're just like you. We have it. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Ryan Long did a really good skit about that, where like the white girls were like, "Hey, wait a minute! No, no, no! We agreed white men were the problem. Remember, remember us? Like, we don't like being in the barrel. It's not fun." Yeah, we're the ones that's supposed to rule over you. I mean, or just like you, whatever. This seems well, like they- yeah. It's like I mean, I heard this woman. Uh, it was she was talking about this was during like the Captain Marvel days or whatever. And she referred to women as minority characters. Like, there are literally more white women than there are white men. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Women are not a minority under any any accounting whatsoever. Yeah. I will not accept that. And that's that's statistically all. untrue. Yeah. There's more women than men. Ridiculous. We die well, faster. But the representation... They'll figure out a way to spin that. But it's the, like... There's like shit. no metric when you can doubt that white women are the most westernized white women are the most privileged demographic on the planet. That's on not a planet. guess. That's not a debate. That's something that can be quantified. That, that is Literally. quantifiable. Um, so no, no, no. But that, but they've already been programmed. I mean, I remember like I remember <laughs> I was hooking up with this chick. It was like right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was saying to her, I was just and I, and I was like, you know, pretending like because with these woke people, you, you have to like you have to pretend yeah, that you think like box. them. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was saying like, well, you know, there's like there's some people that would say that like men are like the most oppressed or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not I'm not saying that. I was just I've read these articles. Like, what do you think about that? And you could just see like the cognitive dissonance was just like breaking down her brain mm-hmm. like she couldn't. No, no. It was like this internal war, like couldn't possibly conceive of that. She'd been so deeply impact, like strongly indoctrinated. Okay, deeply impacted. We get it, Matt. You had fun. Eh. But uh, no, yeah, they, they can't comprehend something like that. No, they can't comprehend. Can't even it. entertain it. 
No. Literally can't entertain the idea. No, they can't. It's amazing. Women are impressed. Oppressed. Yeah, Elvis brings up a great point, which is the, one of the quantifiable, quantifiable statistics. There's more men than women because traditionally women. men are dying more yeah. in wars on the jobs. Also, suicide, uh, drug addiction, like drug overdoses. Yeah, it's like the numbers are yeah. staggeringly. Heart attacks. Staggeringly in the favor of, of women having much better lives. Yeah, there's a reason their life expectancy is oh, higher. Jesus. It's not just and, and saying that in before the fib to say, oh, well, about this. I listen. Everybody in this life gets fucked. No one leaves a virgin. I get it. So I'm not trying to say that just because you're a white woman that you just get like a a, a bank a Brinks truck just backs up. But there's a tendency if we're going to use these same methods of uh, of analyzing div- different demographics, there's no way when you talk about the college education, the amount of money that is controlled by this group, and the quality of life they enjoy relative to every other group that you could say that white women are not privileged. And it's okay, because if I have a fucking daughter, I want her to live privileged. You know what I mean? I want people to be privileged. I want people to have money. I want people to be happy. But miss me with this bullshit. It's it's also like, it's it's also just a tendency for society to protect women. Like there's like an instinct. It's And it's, it's so powerful. Like, I remember because I, I took a gender studies course in college, and I would naively thought this was just going to oh, just we're just going to discuss these things. We're gonna oh, see how men and women are different. No, I didn't realize it was white men are the devil, uh, and you're bad. <laughs> you're basically born evil. Um, but so I ended up doing like a report on the gender disparities, like in in favor of like men being on the low, mm-hmm. like the oh, the short why end did of the you stick. Do that? And bro, back then, by the way, it was really hard to find any kind of information on that, and it only mm. came from very angry sources. So I kind of had to like look at like, all right, you know, like, I don't, I'm not trying to fucking sub, like uh, subjugate all women. I just like <laughs> wanted to have a different point of view. But I, one of the statistics I uncovered, dude, and this was in New York City, mm. the number of homeless men to women, ten to one. Yeah, it's like ten. That everywhere. To one, you can't like, have a that statistic a alone. <sighs> yeah, it's insane, and, and the reason is there are no men's shelters. There are no shelters for homeless men at all. There are tons of shelters for women, and that's not to say you that know, homeless I think women you're talking about. I don't think that's true. I think what you're talking about are the abuse shelters. No, in general, there are very few. Like they, when I say no, I'm exaggerating. Oh, but okay. there are much less shel- when you're talking about shelters. Regardless of what city you're talking about, there's way more beds available for women than there are men. Dramatically amount. Sorry, rough girl. I'm not saying not all women are protected. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a tendency for society to want to protect women. I'm not saying that all women are protected. Of course, women have terrible things. Terrible things happen to everybody. I'm not I'm not discriminating in that regard. I'm just saying as a society, we have more of an instinct to protect women. And that's a natural one because we need women to keep the society going. Like, you know. The just natural biology. One man can impregnate ten women, but only one one, one woman can only carry one baby at a time. So we, if yeah. we have to replenish our numbers, we need a lot of women. Yeah, women are inherently, you know, in a way, women are more important because we need them to carry on the species, so to speak. Toxic man flu. Hell Throwing toxic a five dollar super chat. Thank you, brother. Saying, uh, "I'm listening to Matt discuss his relationship short." Uh, in quotes shortcomings on patreon hail hey, thank hey. you very much for listening to the culture crime fighters patreon subscribe it's really fun join the crime squad uh and miss this miss the 
Blice stream. What is that? I don't know what that word is, but yeah, he missed the stream notification. Yeah. Holy dicks up Balzac, man. (laughs) Thank you very much, Toxic Man Flu. I appreciate the uh, super chat, my dude, and I appreciate the Patreon support. Thank you very much. No, Rough Girl does have a point here. There is a lot more resources for women with children than Hmm. than, than that, because there's a lot of, and that that can be a double-edged sword in and of its own right, but there definitely are a lot of resources for women with children. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, you if you look at see how there many, should be, by the way, I'm yeah. not saying that's a bad thing. But if you look at the homeless, that's one statistic. There's and there are homeless women. I'm not saying they're not. Um, and like I said, like I said earlier, uh, nobody li- leaves life a virgin. We all get fucked. Uh, this this is a, a shitty planet. Um, but I and I was you know I'm just talking about it, it, this. What really started me is the tendency for white women to be the ones in every group's ear, whether it's, you know, black, LGBTQ, all these groups that liberals tend to champion and use as shields. There has there's a there's a white girl behind it. And yes. white girls and specifically when you talk about wealth, you talk about any statistic you want to bring up, not any, I'm sure there's some so before you jump in but a lot of the statistics that you would use as indicator of quality of life, they have a tendency to be higher than most other groups so that was where i I started from it's not again not saying they're not homeless white women right now who are fucking struggling i know there are i'm saying statistically speaking for them to be the group that's in everyone's ear they have a lot of quote unquote of their own privilege because privilege is their concept this is their thing so i'm saying for your own thing you have the highest tendency to 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 actually be living with it for you to be and every group's here talking shit. That was my point. That was where we started. And they bring from. up statistics all the time. I mean, that's why it's relevant because it's yeah. like you're you're using generalizations that are mathematically provable. They use these giant generalizations all the time. So, in counteracting the way they discuss things, you're just having their conversation. Yeah, yeah. So that was it's, my point. Yeah, it's not about it's not about individuals when we're discussing things on these grand generalizations because yeah. it's not about the individual. Yeah, unfortunately, which I think it is in reality but not relative to their conversations and i also want to get in i'm not trying to do the oppressed olympics thing because that's a that's just a a a race to the bottom No, but when you hear this fucking propaganda year in year out about how bad women have it and white women are right there in the front you know championing these things then you look at the numbers you're like wait a second what the hell are you talking about like statistically men have it much worse than you what are you arguing yeah that's that's kind of where my point is yeah anyway Back to the Honeymooners. All righty. Lindsay Shockley is writing a pilot produced by actor Damon Waynes Jr. and his producing partner at Two Shakes Entertainment, Cameron Tarlow. I don't know who that is. Reports deadline. The reboot is being described as a feminist spin where new couple Ruth and Alex are bickering co-heads of the household. Well, thank God for that. This is That's never happened in the sitcom either. Wait, Ruth and her ex-husband? Oh, no, no, sorry. Ruth and her husband, Alex, are determined to have a marriage where they are true equals in every way. Ugh, God. That's, you know, that's always what women find appealing. Uh, That's why they love Tom Brady, because they feel equal to him. Not that he's this, like, superior, amazing man (laughs) and picks you as a woman and, you you know, you get to be with him. No, it's because you look at him as you're on the exact same level. That's what women like. That's why they they date up in the socioeconomic sphere. That's why they like the most (laughs) socially desirable man, because they want someone at their exact equal. Bullshit. Well, I would argue yes because they think that they are uh, 
Queens now nah, we're gonna get we're gonna sound like bitter man. I don't want to put that. But it's just it's not. It, I, I like when I watched the Red Pill that documentary. Mm-hmm. I loved it, but I didn't come away thinking of myself as a victim. Yeah. I came about and just be like that's just that's life. You you my role in society is such, and I accept mm-hmm. that. That's okay. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out for me. It doesn't mean like I'm going to have a perfect life. It means just like that's that's what life is, and I'm okay with being a man and whatever comes along with that. The yeah, problem yeah. is is that they're they're like no, I I can't have any negative side effects for being a woman, despite my actual reality. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. I get. I don't want to go down because I feel like we. I I personally have gone down to like red pill quote unquote rabbit hole too much i'm like oh i don't want to here it comes again <laughs> i don't want to do it and i see toxic man flu quoting what i said about disney princesses uh which is why you should watch the patreon more plugs for the patreon um but yeah uh in general i i guess it's like i hate that a lot of this shit has even bought, been brought up right like all this shit only serves to be defi- uh divisive divisive and so it it's Mm -hmm. it's this uh cultural balkanization i know balkanization i think is by race but it's just division by each any way any way you can break into separation because once you start having these discussions right or wrong you're going to be divisive to people right because everyone's going to by design though it's absolutely by design Yeah. yeah and it's like you just get tired of the bullshit i I mean, it's like there's no way of stopping it because if they're willing to fucking reboot the honeymooners to make a feminist slant, they're not gonna stop ever. They're just gonna keep going. It's the ter- it's like what Kyrie said about the Terminator. You know what I mean? <laughs> as far as I the- mean, yeah. But my my bigger thing is just how hypocritical they are. Like yeah. I don't whatever. Like they're gonna do this. Like woke gonna woke. But like it it's like this idea like oh that they're total equals it's like yeah but that's probably not the relationship you have or yeah. it's like all these women like that were feminists that i knew you know it's like they would preach this stuff preach this stuff but then they would date you know a typical alpha guy and you're like well then what the fuck good is your propaganda if you don't live it well shit it's just like the you know and i don't want to be in the making fun of her having gotten covid i think that's a step too far but aoc right she talks she all this shit group? And then she goes to Florida with the whitest man she can. And you know what I mean? It's just that, like, hey, I'll talk all the shit, but when I'm actually going to live my life, I want to, you know. Right. Live yeah, I, I shouldn't be subjected to this. It's very much rules for thee, but not for me. I mean, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And it's and that's a. Uh... Going to the Met Gala, the most, like, elite <laughs> thing in, on the fucking planet. And she's like, I'm very the people, are you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, okay. Deadline says of the new honeymooners, but what happens when a marriage has two heads of the household? Are they co-heads or no head at all? Well, I feel like I'm pretty sure I know who's going to come out on top in this show. But I'm just... Kelly Park, director on such TV shows as Raven... That's funny. I used to know a girl from L.A. who was an actress called Kelly Park. That's oh. funny. Huh. Uh, director on such TV shows as Raven's Home, Punky Brewster, Call Me Cat, and How I Met Your Father. Wow, bunch of hits there. Uh, <laughs> it is attached to direct and executive produce the Shockley Waynes and Tar- uh, with Shockley Waynes and Tarlow. Uh, Waynes Jr. is the son of comedian comedic actor who starred in Blank Man, such yeah. uh, and such. Because t- uh, I wasn't sure if that was Damon Wayne, so it's his son. 
He has a son. He looks right, just so we like know, We know who Damon Wayans is. Uh, he's known for his roles in sitcoms Happy Endings and New Girl and the film Let's Be Cops. Uh, okay, yeah. the this is just details. I mean, The Honeymooners began as the brainchild of star Jackie. All right. Do we have anything about what the show is going to be? Yeah, no, that's I the thing. Bonnie usually has a lot of exposition first, and then you get to the yeah, end. It's a lot of filler. Um, I don't. Yeah. Okay. It just it doesn't sound like we're gonna get much more than that, other than it's a feminist reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Elvis brings up a good point, and we've had this conversation. All these damn pills, red pill, black pill, this pill, that pill is just another stupid social trope with labels. People advice: do not ever use those on me. Actually, don't ever use those on yourself because of my opinions. They're very yeah. The, the, the pill thing is very uh, segmenting your thoughts, right? Like the, that's why I don't like identifying as anything. I don't like identifying as a conservative. I've jokingly called myself a libertarian. I don't like identifying as shit because <laughs> then I'm beholden to whatever the fuck someone else says that is. You know what I'm yeah, saying? that's true. And I don't want to be, oh, you're red pill, black pill. I'm human. I'm a human being trying to human in this crazy ass world and trying to figure yeah. things out. And, and I'm not like, I'm not like advocating for red pill yourself. I'm just like, I'm not one of those people, but I'm just, that was the name of the documentary. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? that was the name of the documentary. And it's relevant. I mean, at the time, it was a it was important because, it, like I said, I've said this before. We, we've lived in, we lived in this intellectual dark age for a long time, where you only got one part of the conversation, and then until things like the red pill, or Jordan Peterson, or Brett Weinstein, like Rogan, these people who who finally like spoke up, and were articulate, and knew exactly what they were saying and why. We only really had like one. We had one side of the conversation and then, like, the conservatives. And the, basically, unless you already agree with them, it's like a meaningless, yeah. meaningless contribution. It's like there's no objectivity. There's no, like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. It's just, no, it's not. It's, oh, God, shut up. So yeah. it's like we didn't have any kind of complex conversation. So the red pill movement, if you will, was important at the time. Yeah. And I've... <laughs> Pills are bad. Okay. Um, I've talked a little bit of I've talked about some of the issues with the red pill movement over a year ago on my channel. I got a lot of shit for it at the time. Yes, it's been some time because I did a video on my issues with MGTOW, despite everyone kind of joking that I am one, which I kind of joke too. (laughs) But but like you kind of are a little bit. I kind of am. But again, I don't identify as one because I'm not gonna go into the heat man wouldn't woman hating part of it. You know, you know that that's a step too far. I joke, but I love ladies. I love, I love, I love these hoes. No, yeah, that's... and no, but that's the thing is, I don't think it's it, it. That's almost just like doing what they do. It's like, oh, because it didn't work out for me, then the whole system is bad. Yeah. It's like, no, it just doesn't work out for you. And if it did work out for you, you'd be fine with it. It's not the system; it's your like place in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like. That's like, I always felt like in high school or whatever, like, you know, the whole popularity thing and this, that, and the other was like, well, I don't want to tear this whole system down. I just wish I was at the top of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I hate it. I, I just did what I'm like, I don't want to do this. No, me I'm, too. But, I, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, I, like, I wasn't like, oh, well, this system's unjust because I didn't win out. It's like, no, they have their own set of values. I just don't sh- have enough of the qualities that they would prize as to put someone at the top of it. Yeah. So it's well, not actually, the system's fault. <laughs> my high school experience was different because, like, I 
I've definitely felt because I, I went to like a rural kind of more Caucasian high school, and it was de- like the hierarchy thing was not as strong when I went to a black high school because everyone is just doing their own thing, and because it's Detroit, not everybody is even directly connected to each other. People could be moving wherever the fuck they are, so that hierarchy it was always a shock when you saw somebody in school out in public. But when I lived in a small town, then it was like, oh, there is a hierarchy in school, and it's really reinforced. So I don't know if it was the small oh. town relevance to the big city or what, but that That's was like two different experiences. It was it was less, it was more like, it was not like college, I didn't go to college, but it was just like, yeah, there's the one kid who was really popular and went to U of M because of football, and everyone knew who he was. And there's a few kids like that, but there wasn't like these are the cool kids and these are the less cool kids. Like that huh. was not the way it was. Maybe it's it was just, just the, the white people's uh, natural instinct to or- organize society and like put people in classes. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> there it is, patriarchy confirmed. Yeah, I don't know. White patriarchy. And GMC says I'm a centrist. I lean a little right, but I mean, not sitting on the fence. I just, I think there's a lot wrong with the fact that you only have two sides is inherently fucked up. That's an inherent dealing with the false premise concept. And actually, I'm a conspiracy theorist, so yeah, we're not gonna go there. Sure, that's true. That's but I also, I don't think that shit needs to be static. Like, yeah, I don't think you need to be a conservative your whole life or a liberal your whole life. It's kind of like when is the most appropriate mindset right now? I think it's more important to like lean right, because I think that that's like what needs to be right. I think that's a more important voice that needs to be kind of out there because of how sweeping this like critical theory stuff is. So I think we need some right wing pushback. But that doesn't mean to say that under the Bush administration we needed more right wing stuff. I would say no, we definitely need more left wing stuff because we're just fucking bombing the world, goddammit. We need to stop yeah. that shit. So it's like it it's a balance. Things ebb and flow with time. It, it doesn't need to be one or the other. Right now I lean right, but that's not necessarily always going to be the case and it always hasn't been the case. So Yeah. I don't need to be pigeonholed into oh, I tell you you always need to think this way. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to everyone. I see a few few new faces uh, sliding in. Captain Spike, Spock. I think Brightest Day was here earlier. I think wait, Captain. That's he always just changes Captain and then something in the middle. Spock. It's the same guy. Yeah, the Sean Connery versus Applesauce. A few people showing up. Hail to everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. And Elvis says, uh, Matt labeled me as blackpilled because I criticized the collapse of the Expanse world, which has been carefully built during earlier seasons. I believe in second chances, so do not do that ever again. All right. Sorry, oh, hey, don't, don't fuck with him. Apologies. I apologize. Um, yeah, so, all right. Then we also had, we had a few other stories. Yeah, we can yeah. go away from woke for a little while if you want to yeah, just let's have like, go, fun. Let's, Let's take a break away from the woke world. Okay. Uh, let's, let's take a break. Add some of the, the secret identity sauce that Toxic Man Flu is telling you about into the the normal show. Uh-oh. CIA is going after us. No, I just had to cough. and I, I Exposing the, the truth. You don't have to uh, lie about the CIA, Matt. What's that? So you don't have to lie about the CIA, Matt. Coming for us. <laughs> um, Obviously. Yeah. So, okay. So... You, I was listening back on our, our episode last week. Remember we did like a little DiCaprio break? Yeah. Yeah, Dude, yeah. this is a weird one. Do you want to see DiCaprio's dad? Sure. I want to see uh, who's. I just saw like, uh, no, I know you're kidding, Elvis. I know, buddy. 
Um, I uh, I saw I saw this and I was just like, "That's DiCaprio's father," uh, and I guess he's gonna be in a movie for the first time ever. So, uh... whoa, what? I know, right? I was like, "What?" He okay. just you just wouldn't imagine that's his dad. It looks like Scorsese's it, brother. It kind of does. Not to get conspiracy theory about that. Uh, but I, I would, he just looks too, like, not that I imagine DiCaprio had like a straight laced father, but he just looks like super hippie. Maybe he didn't always look like that. And he's just on his old age living his best life. I mean, they're from California. Yeah. But still like that's like DiCaprio is considered one of the most like handsome men, like in history. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's just not the person I would have thought sired DiCaprio. Well, that's not necessarily him when he was young, you know. <laughs> yeah, now he has the like, crazy. He looks like he looks like an old rock star. That's what he actually looks. He like. He does look like an old rock star. Yeah, he really does. Like, what did he used to do? Was he one of those like roadie type guys or man? like? Because he just looks like he's been on the road. He has some story. Honestly, though, one thing I will say, he looked like he slayed some puss back in the seventies. Like he just looks like he has a swag to him. Uh, like, he doesn't give a fuck. Just, so... like, I don't give a fuck swag. His name is George DiCaprio. George! Uh, George! Um, oh, wow. He's actually known for his work in the realm of underground comics. Really? Uh-huh. It's a small press. That. Small press or self-published comic books. Huh. That's How about that? pretty interesting. You think DiCaprio's a comic book uh, nerd? Wouldn't that be crazy? He might be. That'd He's never done cool. any comic book movies though. No. And he at one point, uh, way back when, he was supposed to be the Joker for uh what you call it? The um fucking Joaquin Phoenix. Like when they very first were talking about it, well before they made it, maybe seven five or seven years after uh before they made it. They had attached to Caprio as kind of a maybe, but it I obviously didn't fall, you know, didn't pan out that way. His, but, his dad's a, kind of a strange guy, according to Wikipedia. It says he was also a performance artist. Comics writer Harvey Picard. Do you know who Harvey Picard yeah, is? Yeah, I know Harvey Picard. Uh, American Splendor. And they yeah. had a movie. Uh, yeah, that's it was how. Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. That's how I know it's him. It's a really good movie. movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, details a DiCaprio performance in Los Angeles in February 1988, where DiCaprio claimed that he did a, quote, a light show using brine shrimp and worms. I'd hit them with cold water and they'd move around and I'd project them on a wall magnified. It blew people's minds. What? Yep. So, okay. Strange yeah. fellow. Uh, okay, so that's interesting. But apparently his dad's going to be in a movie. Huh. Uh, DiCaprio's dad is prized for his first ever acting role in a new film by legendary director Paul Thomas Anderson. Hmm. His son's not in it. Licorice Pizza. Um, Oscar where Leo does not feature in Licorice Pizza. I, you know, I heard of Licorice Pizza because I saw like the commercials to it. Really? And there's like this really hot girl in it. Uh, and I don't really remember. It just looked at, like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson film, which I, I may watch. I may not. Uh, but I didn't know he was in so interesting that this is DiCaprio's father. Yeah. Say so he used to be a waterbed salesman. So he was just one of those guys. Like he, that's crazy. 
He's someone that I would come across in Hollywood and pay no mind to. Yeah. He probably yet, did come across and didn't even realize it was DiCaprio's dad or something. That's true. Yeah. Very, very possible. And, like, there's a lot of these guys out there that are just kind of, they're weird mm-hmm. and they're on the fringes and they're always doing some kind of project and never goes anywhere. But yeah. then he, like, then he sires the, the greatest movie star of the 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just how it goes. You know, it's like a, you know, a lot of people's parents are kind of like failed at whatever they were trying to do. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, you know, and they, they just take over from where they left off. So he was just the kind of one of those, like you said, fringe Hollywood guy does comic books or helps small press comic books and then just happens I to. I mean, it's the most, it's that's the most straightforward way to become uh, uh, an actor in Hollywood is to like be born there. Yeah. Like 100%. Like those, or, or it started as like a kid. Like that's the only people I saw that had any success. That was the route that they took. And it was like, if you're, if you spent your life or your adult, like if I had done that, right. And I mm-hmm. obviously didn't get anywhere, but yeah. I had a kid, you know what I mean? Like, uh, then, you know, I would use everything I knew to get his career off the ground. And it yeah. would be a lot easier for him or her to like yeah, have a career. Than it would be than it was for me because I knew I knew all the like I could make all the decisions for the kid that like I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. You know, like how to get in when you're young, because it's actually so much easier to get into Hollywood when you're young because you don't necessarily need any prior experience because it's impossible for you to have had prior experience. So you can get seen in the, these major movies and commercials and TV shows without, you know, having all the established. Yeah, and I think DiCaprio know. started out there. He was in, like, commercials and shit like that, right? He was 100%. Yeah. That's almost like LeVar Ball. That. Like, he was a guy. You, you familiar with LeVar Ball? Oh, yeah. He uh, He's uh, he's known for his sons both now being in the NBA. One, like, Both actually are pretty good. He has three sons. One, I think, is in the G League or something. The other two are NBA players. One is a star. And he himself was just like a backup guy for the Jets. Uh, but he had an athletic body. He fucking chose his wife. He made he he made sure his wife was over six foot tall. So his sons, <laughs> no bullshit. That's eugenics, dude. <laughs> yes, he basically eugenicized. So if his wife was over six foot tall, he was already like six three, six four, already a tall guy. He guaranteed that his sons would be of a certain height, so they have a better chance to succeed in athletics. And basically, was the, you know, he was a failed athlete. And I think a personal trainer, and that's how he got like, his money, and then used all of his knowledge to basically raise these super kids. That's actually pretty interesting that you say that because my buddy uh, Pascal, who was kind of like my um, sort of a YouTube mentor when I first started, he yeah. interviewed LeVar Ball. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he actually stayed at my apartment because his sister, you know, lived there or whatever, and uh-huh. the, the, you know that's how I met him. Uh, and so he stayed there so he could go interview LeVar Ball. Uh, and if any of y'all are interested in checking it out, I just put the link in the chat so y'all can watch his interview if you want. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, It was about 40,000 views, but uh, yeah, it was a little over a year ago that he did it. Pretty cool. Check it out. I like LeVar Ball. Ball. He gets a lot of shit, but I think he's a, he's a, uh, he's a fun guy. He's a smart guy. He's, he's able to use the media to his advantage Mm. and he's, he's not afraid of being outlandish. He's, even though I think they had beef, he's a lot like Trump in his use of the media and his use of making controversy work for him. 
and I, I gotta respect his uh I respect LeVar's hustle. Yeah, I don't really know much about him. I mean, I think the first time I heard about him was when Pascal went to interview him. So it's yeah. like, oh and I think maybe I'd maybe I'd heard of him, but yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. you know. Yeah, if you're not familiar with his story, uh, I would say look at it. It's, it's interesting stuff. There's people who hate him, people who love him, and I, I'm, mm. I'm close to the love him side. Uh, so yeah, I'm not always sitting on fences. I like Pro Levar Ball Ball Channel. So. Yeah, very much so. No toxic, don't leave us, please. No. We need you. <clears throat> we love you, buddy. Uh, I found this. I don't know. Let me let me, let me look through some articles to see if there's anything worth checking out. We also, you know, we have the Chuck Dixon thing. We're trying yeah, to stay away from woke for a little, a little while. Yeah, because I mean, I I know I get tired of it. I've complained about it. You know, I don't want to be woke stuff bad to go off the Trump. Uh, cop. You know, I don't want to. I don't want blue haired land whales to be my Donald Trump. You know, like to my CNN. I, I don't want to just like. Because I, I hate the idea of letting people live rent-free in my head and that being, like, the standard way of doing this YouTube thing. I can't let it be. It, it can't be the case. And I, I, and that's that's what sometimes it becomes. It becomes like, oh, well, they're doing this, they're doing that. And it's like they get so much space in your mind. It's like that's not – I get we do have to fight this thing, but there's got to be a way of fighting it that's not letting them control the entire narrative. It only being a reaction to their their control of that narrative. It also doesn't have to be all we do. Yeah, and that's even better. You know what I mean? Like we can we can touch on it and just not let it control us. Yeah, not let it dominate exactly everything we talk about because it's like I, I get annoyed like listening to myself sound off. You know, and it, yeah, you get repetitive and it's just like all right, whatever. It, it's fun to tease them, but yeah. So yeah. Um, so I did find something that's kind of interesting. So, mm-hmm. you know, who Stephen Graham, the actor, is. I feel like I would know him if I saw him, but I don't know him offhand. He was uh, um, what's his name? Tommy from Snatch. Okay. You remember him? He played, I do remember uh, Snatch. Uh, he's he's a pretty famous actor, but apparently his new movie is sh- is all done in one shot. And legitimately this time, not like one of those things where like they edit it to make it look like it was one yeah. shot. Like they literally shot the entire movie in one take. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Graham's new movie was filmed in one shot. Uh, just been released and viewers are shocked to learn it was filmed in just one shot. You can watch the trailer below. I have it pulled up on another screen. So yeah. you can watch it. The This is England star. That's actually a pretty good movie. He plays like a like a British, like a white nationalist in England. Oh really? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. Check it out. <clears throat> yeah, and they kind of like there's like twelve year old, thirteen year old kid kind of gets like caught up with them because like his father is fighting in the Falcon Islands and just oh, wow. kind of like gets yeah. And I think or he died and he got kind of pissed off. So they sort of like you know um, indoctrinate the kid and uh, it's it's pretty dark. It's a pretty good. Pretty good movie. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Uh, plays a head chef pushed to his limits as he works the last Friday before Christmas, the busiest night of the year. Uh, Graham's central character is already battling debts, addiction, and an imploding personal life when health and safety services expected unexpectedly show up for an inspection. Oof. I just know, knowing the restaurant world, that's that sounds awful. Um, while films such as 1917 have the appearance of a single take but disguised cuts with clever camera work, Boiling Point was actually filmed as one unbroken shot. Jesus. Dude, 
that's fucking that crazy. seems impossible like <laughs> that seems but i guess with the premise it allows for but you have to be an improv genius <laughs> god so you know says alec baldwin's last movie was filmed in one shot too god but damn it <laughs> yeah that's pretty dark i don't know how soon it is but that was pretty dark, it's pretty dark. uh but <laughs> I'm, I'm still reacting for that uh was he Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire? He looks like a totally different guy from there. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, he sure was. Now I'm looking at him. Yep. He was pretty good. Yeah, Boardwalk he's a great Empire. actor. I lo- I he really was like really good at Boardwalk Empire, honestly. Yeah. Um, he's in uh, The Irishman, do... too. He's a good actor. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think I do know him. He looks a lot different than he did back then. He had a little... Because he, he did a few movies in the air. But anyways, you got to be an improv fucking genius because, like, there's no way whatever the fuck the script is going to go off 100% perfect and somebody's like so if you do a movie in one shot what happens if somebody fucks up like 40 minutes in and it's an unmistakable fuck up you got to restart the whole shot the whole movie probably yeah I mean there was a Russian film where they did this uh, exact same thing and I think they managed to do it in three takes Um, and it was I mean from an actor's point of view it's a challenge no doubt but it's not that dissimilar from doing a theater performance. Yeah, that's that's true. That you know is I mean? true. It's so it's like that's you know, true. I don't think I ever did a ninety-minute play or anything that long, but you know, it's like you rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it, and you you know your stuff. <clears throat> you know your stuff really well, uh, but I imagine they just probably rehearsed it like a thousand yeah. times. You know, like just dry uh, to get it to get it down. Uh, as a CIA gets a five ball for coffee. No, the theater uh-huh. analogy is a great one because you're right. Because actors <clears throat> do theater. Did you ever do theater? You ever do Broadway? Off Broadway? No, nothing. Nothing nah. like significant. But I did nah. it. You know what I mean? Just like nah. <clears throat> little plays and shit like that. But it's like I mean, yeah, you have to memorize. You know, however long the play is, and it's like you have to know all True. your stuff inside and out, upside and down. And and in the British uh, acting pedigree, yeah. it's theater is the center of it all. Like the backbone is Shakespeare. So it's not like that's that. true very yeah, true from an actor all of them of are theater trained everyone out of britain is theater trained that's like yeah their thing. that's their thing and so it's like it's not that it's like i said it's not that dissimilar from a from a theater technically thing. technically that stuff happens so that's the big difference between theater yeah you might have a guy pull like a, a a box up or something like some piece of cardboard up but like there's set design there's people moving what if you just had the shot wrong you know what i mean what if you're like oh no when we actually get here you have to pre-plan every shot to make sure everything runs smooth as far as the camera work i um, mean seriously and the, the and true it, marvel is the lighting oh like, shit i didn't think about that however they lit this like you know in a space that where the actors could move from one spot to another you know what i mean and still be lit their faces still be lit and it look artistic uh, you know, while you can swing the camera in any direction, that's the miracle. Like, however yeah. they pulled that off, that's insane. Yeah, Godzilla brings up a good point <clears throat> I thought of. Being set in a commercial, uh, in a commercial ki- kitchen seems like a good setting for improving random chaos. You drop something, getting flustered, it's out, out of place. So, yeah, you could just roll with it. Anything that's that a great happens. point. Uh, so that is a cool thing. That's what makes it a cool concept. It makes me want to see this thing. Like, mm-hmm. gee, how did you fuckers pull this <clears throat> off? Yeah, I'm curious too. And that is a good point that Godzilla brings up because a lot of times with filmmaking, <clears throat> excuse me, I fucking, I don't know what's going yeah. on with me. Um, but a lot of times with filmmaking, what you have to do is every take needs to be identical so that you can match it when you cut. 
uh, yeah. you know, the, the big part of the editing. But if that's not a concern, if there's literally no editing, uh, or at least no like cutting, uh, then yeah, you can have little fuck ups like that and keep the energy rolling. And you know, as long as you stay in character and you don't break, um, yeah, yeah, you can you can do it. I mean, you know. Uh, there's examples of that in cinema history. I mean, uh, that famous line from Midnight Cowboy, I'm walking here, mm-hmm. uh, improv line. Yeah. And he just True. kept going with the scene and then kept improving and saying, ah, it's actually a pretty good scam. You, can, you know, it's like, so it's natural to the actor if you're really in the moment. True. Um, but still, this is a monumental undertaking. This is. And I think of like, what if there are things in the set that have to happen with timing and, you know, there is 100%. And it has to be, right? Yeah. No matter what. Like, I'm sure, I'm just guessing being in the kitchen. If something has to catch on fire, you know what I mean? That has to be done safely at the right time and with the right everything Point. going smoothly. Yeah. And I'm just assuming being in the kitchen, given the premise of it, something catches on fire because that probably would happen, right? Because it's all the stress, all the <laughs> shit happening, and it's supposed to be a nightmare scenario. That's what you would have in a movie. And so how do you, you if it, that's supposed to go off 45 minutes in, it's like, oh, we got to redo the whole tape because it went off just a second too wrong and it took a second to explode or whatever the fuck it is. Just seems like, that seems crazy. Uh, it is pretty crazy. I wonder, so like a typical shooting schedule is like 30 days for a feature yeah. film. So I wonder if they just spent, you know, most of that time just rehearsing everything yeah. and just getting it to, to the point where it's essentially a ballet. Yeah, uh, you know, and then just then they're just basically filming it. Um, yeah, the amount yeah. of meticulous planning this must have took, uh, I, I can't even fathom. Yeah, and uh, Elvis says he shot a one shot. At one time, I shot a long shot and shot the guy from 800 meters. Is that the one shot that everyone seeks? Uh, not uh, quite, Elvis. not in this line of work, no, uh, in others, certainly, uh, not yeah. when it comes to uh, filmmaking, though. No, no, generally, yeah. I mean, unless, of course, you're Alec Baldwin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess going back to that, uh, um, but um, yeah, don't fuck with Elvis because he can shoot you from 800 fucking meters, so yeah, the general, um. Go. The film was shot just days before the national lockdown of 2020 with Graham's co-star Ray Pen- Penthaki said filming the whole movie in one take added an extra level of pressure to the shoot. He explained, Stephen takes the whole weight of the movie on his shoulders and he was completely on it the whole way through. There, w- there would be moments when the camera would be, off- would be off me and I'd be looking through, the- through my pieces of paper going, where am I next? Where am I next? Wow, that's insane. Jesus. What's my next move? Where am I going? It seemed to be like, Ray, you're over here. Wow. So he basically, was he the director too? Or was just co-directing just because he knew his shit to the point where he was getting everyone in position? I mean, yeah, like, like there's been times where I'm on set where I, I have a very good image of it in my head. Like it's helpful if you're an actor who really knows everything that's going on, where the takes are and this, that, and the other. So it seems reasonable that he would know everyone else's parts. Yeah. Like that, ha- you know, I think that that was, uh, what's his name? Um... Uh, what's it called? Uh, God, I just lost my train of thought. It was um, oh, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Apparently, yeah. well, the way he would prepare for his roles is just read the script like literally a hundred to two hundred times. Oh, so, wow. so he would know everybody's roles and lines and where they were. Um, I see. Yeah, I've heard of that. I heard uh, Robert Downey saying he remembers the script frontwards and backwards. And he has like a anagram of every word. And if he doesn't know it, every word, he doesn't know the script. And he just goes until he learns that. No matter what script he's working on. I, I never had a work ethic like that. I really respect <laughs> it. 
Yeah, that's that's next level stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got this amazing awareness of everything that was going on. Viewers are now reacting to the film, and specifically that it was shot in one take, uh, with one writing Stephen Graham and the rest of the cast and crew in Boiling Point, like, wow, unbelievable, and shot in one take, too. I mean, all right. Uh, okay, so these are just reviews. Do you want to watch a clip? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to see a trailer this day. Yeah, I think this is either a trailer or a clip. Yeah, trailer one. All right, I'm going to get copyrighted claim for this or whatever. Yeah. We're promoting your stuff. Just tell him I'm so sorry. Um, I've just got so much going on. Thanks for coming. Let's make spuds. some chips, yeah? Chop some spuds. Yes, sir. Thank you. Enjoy drinks. Thank you. Service on table 20. I'm allergic to nuts. I'll pass that onto the kitchen. Thank, Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> How's this? Well done. Keep that up. Keep turning, keep turning, keep turning. Hello, the it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> okay, look, we've been reviewed on table four. I need you to switch on, yeah? Well, I had no idea you were coming. It's, it's a bit great. strong, isn't it, bringing it along? This is your restaurant. This is my money. I haven't got it. I can't give you what I haven't got. What am I going to do? Just slice three steaks. It's not hard. Uh, Why do you always three? give in to her, my man? What's me giving What's your problem? Please, bring your nose. I'll feel her. You've gone down to a three. What do you mean? One from a five to a three star. You've got to concentrate. Oh. It's in press. It's in press. This is your fault. You don't no, turn no, up on no, time. No, no, no. You don't do this. Hey, Elvis, did you see this? Look at the girl with the, with the little Brady things. Remember her from The Expanse season five? You come in sneaking up for Crazy they've done in one take. Yeah. It looks like they accomplished a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, one thing I thought everybody has to know how to cook. Believably. That's a skill everyone had to learn. And it looks like a a real life restaurant they just did for you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it looks it, like they shot in a real location. Yeah. That looks really that looks, good. Yeah, that looks like a cool movie. That that looks like just the type of movie I need right now. Just something that's not gonna put me in the space of of wokeness or adventure i, I used to watch like indie movie indie style movies yeah like me that. too they used I to be good got out of it yeah 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 it yeah. used to be some of the better movies that you would see elvis says entire film one shot that must be fake it has to be at least one cut That's they're saying no they're saying no yeah i mean i mean look it, i said it's possible they did it they did that russian film that was yeah. all one take you know it's been done before yeah and the theater element that's a very good point especially in britain there's a lot of theater um you want to see how sausages get made says ace mr freeze hell ace hell but there are they are almost exclusively theater trained uh mm-hmm. so that, that that and like extensively too like that's their whole starting in the theater the lower level theaters moving up to maybe the old vic if they could get good enough to do so you know what i mean and that's, that's that like whole all their thing. training yeah all their training that's what they that's what they do that's their basis for how that's why everyone used to love the bbc back in the day for their television because they had these really good actors i mean british really actors well, dominate yeah. hollywood too yeah still to this day they do mm-hmm. and for good reason they, they they're a lot better trained lock stock and two smoking ovens that's funny. exactly i kind of want uh, i, I kind of i really want to see that it looks like i a, do too 
Honestly, yeah. and that looks like and having worked in restaurants like that, you know, for years that that looks very authentic. Yeah. That feels that, real. That, yeah. That's pretty cool. Like camera positions. That's another thing. How do they how does that work? Well, it's all handheld. You could tell that. Yeah. So it's like they they're not going to put down sticks anywhere. It's going to be all handheld for the entire for the entire, you know, shot. Like everything that the entire movie so that this way you can follow the actors around <clears throat> and like when they're when the probably like when the waitress is talking to the table, there's like so, uh, back in the kitchen, like the director is probably talking to the actors and letting them know where they need to be. And, this, you know, like just reminding everybody of what needs to happen. Then he leaves and the camera comes in. Like, like I, I, pr- I imagine it's just extraordinarily well choreographed. Yeah, they probably had to practice the choreography of everything a bunch, not just the, the lines and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it was probably like I said, it's probably like a ballet. It's meticulous. Yeah, yeah. Which is pretty. Yeah. Imp- I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it look well cast too. Like the faces really look like people from in a kitchen. Like it's just it looks identical to my time in in uh, you know restaurants. Yeah, and it's a high end restaurant that has the dealing with the manager or dealing with the owner, dealing with the food inspector. Yeah, the, the head chef is having a breakdown. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize it starts from outside the set, so I don't. And I think you know, I know handheld and quote unquote shaky cam and slightly shaky cam is a trope, but it does add to the realistic feel of uh, whatever you're shooting. Yeah, it can. I was watching this show called The Silent Sea. Uh-huh. It's a Korean sci-fi show, and ugh. They did this handheld. I'm like, this is adding absolutely nothing. I see. It's just distracting. It's like, there's no reason why this shouldn't be on a tripod. Like, you're just, this is just an artistic choice just to make a choice. It does not support the story or the movie. You're just doing it. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Like, this isn't even an emotionally intense scene where this this uh, camera work would help. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like, it's ugh, exposition right. or just bullshit. <clears throat> it just doesn't help. Uh, Morgan Holloway says, hail VW and foul ball and chat. Hey, hey. Hail, hail, hail. Hail Morgan Holloway. Hail chat. The numbers have looked really weird this whole time. It, see, it seems like there's more people in the chat than are being represented. Nah, uh, and that's been bugging is. me. I'm like, what is going on? That's, and it's not just this stream. The few, past few streams, it just seems like there's been weird stuff. Yeah. Even other streams I've been in where I'm just in a chat, people have said that. I think it was in Kai's stream, the same thing happens. That's just a weird thing that keeps happening. But thank you all, anyone who is watching this, live or playback. Absolutely. We love you. Appreciate you. Um, yeah. yeah, that I really want to see that. That looks really good. Yeah. Morgan Holloway is backing up your silent C point. Uh, she says, yeah, Shots. I was like, why don't you shake it up some more? Oh, my God. That movie, that show sucks. Yeah. It was so stupid. Like, So there's this, basically, they have to go to the moon because there's, like, no water, like, on earth like it's like the uh, ecological disaster or something like that yeah and uh they have to go to the moon for some reason it's really not even clear why they do but uh when they get there like <clears throat> like first of all like four things on this space shuttle like fail all at the exact same time i'm like who designed this spaceship <laughs> you know this what north i mean korea made what happened it was well it was south korean but it was oh. like 
But still, like space shuttles yeah. are designed, you know what I mean, with the utmost engineering, the best engineers in the world. And so it's like you have multiple failures on the exact same space. Really, what are the odds of that? Like it's just so like it was one thing was falling apart. Plus, then this wasn't working. Then like the guys like handle. I'm like, really? Uh, OK. And then also like the pilots are freaking out emotionally. They're screaming. I'm like, that's way off. Yeah, they're know, supposed they, to be all calm. What well, was that one crazy astronaut lady? But for the most part, they're supposed to be all psychologically, you know, calm and collected. Yeah. They're all former I, pilots. And- if you ever listen to any audio of pilots or astronauts, they are steel-nerved. Yeah. They do, they do not freak out. They do not, like, the ang- – they don't, you know, they're just – they're on it, on it until, like, the very last second. And so then they crash on this uh, – on the moon, uh, and they all get out. One guy's got, like, a punctured lung. You know, and and he's like, oh, he can't he can't, uh, you know, sustain his own weight as he walks. It's like, okay, pick him up. You're on the moon. He weighs one sixteenth what he weighs on Earth. (laughs) One guy could just pick him up and carry him the whole way without incurring any extra effort. Two guys. I was like, I did the math. He essentially weighs like 40 pounds on the moon. So it's like, just pick (laughs) him up. It's like a suitcase. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Godzilla that brings up a point. Today's kids can't math. They got all that damn common core, so the next generation of engineers can't build a spaceship. Oh, so they're Korean. Good. They can do math. Oh, <laughs> dig it. Um, no, but it was so stupid. And then, like, the guy, like, the guy dies on the surface of the moon because uh, they didn't pick him up, which yeah. is dumb. And then they, he asked for water, and so they take out, like, his water reserve, and it's out, and they go to put it in uh the new the new water thing in there and he's like no and he's trying to tell them something about the water and then he coughs up blood and he dies Uh, then but then they leave the fresh container of water on the dead body i'm like you mean to tell me that in a universe where water is insanely precious that people literally have these cards where they have to go to water stations to fill up their tanks you're telling me that in this universe that water being so precious on earth it wouldn't on earth it wouldn't be 10 times a hundred times more precious on the surface of the fucking moon go get the water what are you doing it was so bad god i wanted to like that show terrible terrible movie tv show yeah man that sounds that sounds like a mess and um one thing I wanted to say, yeah, you, you made your little Korean comment, but people are getting dumber across the board. Those next generation of Koreans, they're probably just as dumb as our current generation of Americans. So they're just like, uh, you know what I mean? They can't build anything. No, Somehow Elon's figuring it out. Fuck Elon. I'm just saying, somehow his SpaceX is, they don't, you know. All these spaceships getting people to the to the moon or to the the USSS or ISSS, like uh somehow he figured it out, and we Hot haven't take. had like a. What? We're not in space. It's all a myth. Uh, okay, I don't know about that. Fuck Elon. The friend. For no reason it has anything to do with anything. By the way. No, no, no. No, none whatsoever. Yeah, waste of resource. Yeah, it was such a poorly conceived show. I was like, oh my god. <clears throat> I was like, I was just sitting there, like I couldn't believe that they were literally saying, "Oh, this guy can't carry his own weight." It's like, then don't make him carry it. You're on the moon. <laughs> yeah, that seems like the. <clears throat> if ever there's a time where this doesn't matter, it's now because the moon and the weight 
It's not going to be a big deal. No. One sixteenth. <laughs> Sheesh. I, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is so, well, what, the world building just collapsed in one fell swoop. Oof, so bad. Don't watch Silent Sea. It yeah. sucked. It okay. sucked. And uh, Morgan Holloway's break is over. I'm glad uh, you spent some of your break with me, with us. Hell. So thanks. Um, do you care that Peaky Blinders is coming back for series six? I've, that's one of those shows I never got into but wanted to. What, have yeah. you seen it? No. I mean, I watched. I think I watched some of it, and I was like, eh. <clears throat> you know People what? I like it. Because, like, I, I mentioned Boardwalk Empire. That was a show that I've always been mixed on where I really liked it, but I really thought it was disappointing at the same time. Yeah, I didn't like Boardwalk Empire. Not, 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 it didn't match my expectations anyway. Yeah, I, I would say it was, uh, to me, it was the era where HBO just kind of, like, would coast off of setting and mm-hmm. implied quality, if that makes sense. Well, it was sense. Scorsese was like the the like producer. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the true story of you know what all it's the true. <laughs> it wasn't even. It was so it got so absurd. I'm like, it was historical fiction. <clears throat> yeah, and even Pure that it was a, like a huge like uh, elaboration and I'm fan like, fiction. It really, and I'm like, and there were so many murders. I'm like, no one ever got caught for any of these murders. There's not a single trial for like the dozens and dozens of people you kill each season. Really? Yeah, and they weren't Ugh. really like hiding bodies. It was just no people would just die, just die. And the story, like you said, it got really fantastical, like Ugh. incredibly fantastical. With like, you're telling me this same fucking agent. This guy who was once a federal agent, then kills another federal agent, then hides in Chicago, and then becomes a part of Al Capone's gang and has all these haphazard things. It was entertaining to watch at times, but it was like, this is fucking... I thought this was supposed... Like, the first season is the most historically accurate. And then it just, and even then, it was uh, lots of it mistakes. Such and it an just exaggeration, yeah. I was spun just... off into Madland, and then it got <clears> really <throat> crazy. And then what they did at the end is they fucking killed... All the the fictional characters, they just killed them off in really bullshit-ass ways and just left the quote-unquote real characters that existed onto their own devices. And it was just like, this is stupid. It was so stupid, and it used all the real historical figures but didn't do anything. None of the true stories. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was interesting, I guess. They they had interesting – the side characters were were interesting. They had a lot of interesting side characters. had little cool stories. The setting was cool, but it just was like – this is this is just a mess, you know what I mean? And it's some of the story. It, it it was a letdown. It was a letdown of a series, and so. Yeah. But I still wanted what that was purporting to be. You know yeah, what I mean? That's I exactly what it was. I wanted it to be good more than it was actually good. Yes, I wanted a, a early, you know, early century crime drama, and that's what Peaky Blinders is supposed to be. So I've always been interested in that concept, <clears throat> even though I haven't seen it. But but part of it is like man, Boardwalk Empire was such a letdown, such a hype job. It was a complete complete hype job, Boardwalk Empire. I remember when I started watching Peaky Blinders. It just to me, it just felt like every other gritty, violent show. It was like okay, he's the king of this gang or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's got a drug addiction and he's dating a prostitute. And it was like I just it just felt like all the earmarks. <laughs> it was just like the Nick. It was like he's a doctor in a gritty time, but he's got a drug addiction. It's like, all right. It just it felt so by the numbers. I was yeah. like, I'm not not that interested in this show. 
And I was all primed to watch it because I had just finished watching that movie Lock with Tom mm-hmm. Hardy. Did you see that? I did not. It was good. It was a another movie that it wasn't one take, but it all took place in one location, which is essentially his car while he's on the phone. Mm-hmm. And like sure. his whole life is falling apart. It was really and that it was a good, really good concept, a really brilliant uh, experimental film. And the director was this guy Stephen Knight, and then he is the creator of Peaky Blinders. So I was like, ah. all psyched to watch it, and I was just like, yeah, this is just this is fine. But I feel like I've already seen this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian's <clears throat> um, um, so, yeah. says Lock was okay if you can tolerate the format. So. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's an experiment. I mean, it really is an experimental film. But the good thing is, it's short. It's under ninety minutes. Mm. Uh, it's like eighty. It's like right about the time when it would have gotten boring. The movie ends. So it was uh. it was really clever. And it's just it's just him on the phone with like different people, and his like life is completely falling apart. And it's it's pretty interesting. Huh. That seems yeah. cool. Seems like a, yeah. worth the watch. Yeah. Um, are you interested in YouTube star set to fight Floyd Mayweather Jr. in Dubai? Sure. Yeah, I am. I like F- Floyd. I wish I could do okay. the fucking impersonation. This is one guy does like um, Floyd Mayweather. He just he sounds just like him. I can't do it. Dominic Smithers. Yes, Smithers. <laughs> oh, we are running out of time. We got to do. Oh yeah. The, uh, Chuck Dixon at Chuck some Dixon. point. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll do the, we'll do this soon, and then we'll do Chuck Dixon. Yeah. Um, a YouTube star is set to get in the ring with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Money kicks. Real name Rashed. Belhasa fought twice last year and has now revealed that he is in the late stage negotiations with the undefeated five-time <laughs> champion. Whoa, wait. The 20-year-old who is the son of a billionaire and has been previously labeled Dubai's richest teenager says oh. the fight is to take place on the 20th of February on a helipad <laughs> at the Burj Al Ar- Ar- Arab Jumara Hotel. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, you know what? Scratch what I just said earlier in the year. I said white women are the most privileged group on earth. No, it is like super duper rich Arab teens huh. because they can organize a fight with fucking Floyd Mayweather. Why I'm giggling. I don't know if, you, if the mic's picking it up. I didn't mute myself. No, I heard you. It's fucking like Floyd Mayweather's ability to make money for less and less work. It's amazing. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Like he hasn't even been a pro boxer in what, like ten years almost? What no, what did he fight Pacquiao? It's 2015? Something Seven like that. Years. Seven years. But wait, years. but he fought he had another fight that made him yeah, undefeated. He fought Was it the, oh about. McGregor. Oh yeah, and the McGregor. Then he fights McGregor. I think that, that was a real count. fight. I don't know. That's a real I, fight. It's not it's not really real, but it's like McGregor could fucking knock you out. He could knock the average human out, yes. Yeah, definitely. And he it, can knock, def- I feel like there's a lot of boxers he could probably knock out. Probably, probably. Professional uh, athlete. That left hook was mean. Yeah, yeah. He was he he was a skill. He was a very skilled striker, especially for MMA. But hey, I mean, I'm not saying that wasn't a real fight, but he wasn't a real boxer, so he did. He wasn't going. I, yeah, no, it's not like he fought Canelo. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, okay, he's not a real boxer. So that was the that was the first stage. It was like, no, that's hey, a good point. Extending out. Then he fought this guy in Japan and just beast the shit out of him for no reason for like $8 million. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Totally forget about, about that, that guy. Then he fucking fights. He, like he, he's go- but that guy was a real kickboxer, but he just knocked his ass out. He was like way bigger than him. And then he goes, it's like he extends out. Like, okay, at least the first two guys, they are actual fighters. Even if it's not this discipline, they're fighters. 
then he goes to a fucking YouTuber. Uh, which Paul? Jake Paul? One of the Logan Pauls. Paul? One of the Pauls. Jake. It was Jake. Okay. No, Jake Logan. Paul. It was Logan. Logan's the older brother. He's the one who's got less fighting experience. Okay. Yeah. Jake is the more athletic, more like actually legitimate, dangerous. And look, right? and carried him. He legitimately carried him through that fight. Yeah. Then, it looked like he was a. He and wasn't I don't mean that. Him. I don't mean metaphorically. I mean picked him up and <laughs> carried him through that fight. Because it was a lot of hugging, like they were best, long lost best friends. Yeah. And so he he's constantly going further and further from real competition to the point where this is basically my sweet sixteen, the the Air Billionaire edition. Where I mean, gonna, I, <laughs> is it not? Am I missing exactly, something? Exactly. Nope. That's exactly how I read it. Because remember with My Sweet 16, they have like ludicrous perform or some shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what this is. That's exactly what this feels pad, like. No less. It just feels like, yeah, like a make-a-wish. And you know what the worst part is? I'm perversely interested. And that's why this fucker always wins. I'm getting a little tired of these stunt fights, though, because when I first heard about the stunt fights, I liked the idea. I thought that was fun. It was bringing eyes on the sport of boxing, which I thought was good. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to open the door for all these fake fights, and that's what I don't like. And that's just, that was going to be the now standard? Well, if you think ca- about it, from their point of view, it's like if I can make as much money and not get hurt, why would I, why would I choose to get hurt? Exactly. And that's why this is fascinating. That's why Floyd yeah. Mayweather – is like he's one of the best sports villains of all time. And he's like he's he to me he's starting to like I'm starting to become a fan like in the same way that you're a fan of the bad guys like yes keep exploiting the system keep fighting weaker and weaker talent for more and more money. Who knows how much he's going to get paid just to do this make a wish fight like you said with this teenager or not sure teenager 20 year old 100 million dollars I and mean, we're talking about what it's it what is it what did it say that he was the world's richest teenager oh yeah. Dubai's. so he might as well be the world's richest teenager yeah. so that means his parents are probably billionaires you know yes. they're probably oil billionaires and so it's like 100 million dollars when you've got you know 8 billion dollars means nothing it's, it means you know, nothing it's a at drop all. in the bucket, and they're probably going to make money on it anyway. So yeah. they just, you know, pay Mayweather whatever he wants, and then like you get to have this fake fight, you know, like he's had two fights, and he's going to fight the best defensive fighter ever. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he has a good shot. Well, maybe Floyd will let him get some hits in just for the for the lows. He's getting paid a hundred million. Yeah, I'm sure he'll sell it. He's got it. Like, hey, we'll give you a hundred million. Let my son get some hits in, fucker. I'll just I mean, also, ass. Mayweather, like, because he's so good at defensive, defensive fighting, like, there's going to be a lot of f- things that look like hits. There'll be yeah. a lot of those glancing blows glancing that bounce shoulder. off the shoulder and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like, I don't think it's, you know. Uh, <laughs> speaking to Sky Sports, Belhaza sa- said he's a massive fan of fa- Mayweather and is super excited to get the chance to go toe-to-toe with the boxing legend. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he said, I never thought I would ever fight Floyd. He is the best fighter ever. When I was young, I would collect his the money team caps. When you were young, like aren't you like nineteen? <laughs> yeah, <you're still laughs> three kid. years ago, <laughs> when you were young, um, it's like seven or eight years ago now. Yeah, we're May- old. May- Mayweather's team asked my team for a meeting. We thought, no way, this will ever happen. The same day of the meeting, I saw Mayweather saying, "I would love to fight Rashad." Look at this guy. <laughs> this is Mark. 
I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying I could beat him. He might have really fast hands, but I'm pretty sure Mayweather could take care of him. Yeah, I think he'll be okay. Uh, he is serious. It is an honor that he has called me out, I thought. This will go viral. That wouldn't be the first time Mayweather has gotten the ring with a viral star, though. Last year he fought Logan Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Logan. my goodness. Okay. Uh, is there any footage of this guy boxing? What's his name? Rashid Belhaza. I'm going to see if there's any. Maybe on his YouTube. Watch, he has like a trillion followers on his YouTube. and He's he like probably massive. does. I mean, you know? <laughs> how easy would it be to go viral if your dad's a billionaire? Yeah. He's got three point two he's got three point two three million subs. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> like of course, I knew he had we had millions of subs. Uh I knew it. Well, he probably has an awesome life. I mean it's you know, it's probably girls and cool cars and you know what I mean, celebrities and shit like yeah. that. Like I've heard some wild stories about some of these guys. Like I heard like these sheiks and shit. Yeah. Like what they'll do is they'll find like uh an actress or an Instagram star or some, yeah. like, you know, gorgeous chick that they want to bang and just pay them, like, you know, 100K. Yeah. Fly them out to Dubai, bang them, and then just, you know, send them on their way and the girl gets a giant payday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've – oh, have you heard about the Dubai porta potties? No. Oh. So these sheiks are not just paying big money to, like – oh, man, I don't know if I should expose poor, poor Matholomew. Uh, to this this crazy life, but like they're like like shitting on these girls, literally like, shitting. Yeah, uh. yeah, or doing like weird, creepy, or getting shat on by these girls. Uh. <laughs> some, I I, I don't like this one. I, the other one of them being able to bang cool. any woman in the Bangle world that they cool. want. But that's like, awesome. Some of these guys are into some wild shit. Basically, they're not just going there and just doing standard missionary. For, and they're getting a lot of them though. That you say 100k, a lot of them getting more than that. Because I mean, if you I mean get whatever it is. But I, I just like the idea that like the the truth of the matter is that women are prostitutes, and you can just buy them if you have <laughs> enough money. You could buy celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone's got a price, you know, and it's like, what's it with all, all your dignity and integrity goes right out the window when you're getting 500,000 to bang this chic. Oh, do you have a price? Is can a sheet come to you and say, Matt from Fireball Productions? You know, let's say we're at a million subs. And they're like, you know what? You're looking mighty cute. What's the number? Uh, uh God. What, what's the number? Money's no object. Fifty million. Fifty million dollars. Yeah, fifty million. It's nothing. Uh would anyone have to know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Would it be public? Oh God. Maybe. Hard maybe. Because I'm a be... sheik. I, I do what I want. I'm paying you fifty million. What do you think? I do what I want. I don't care. Maybe. Yes. No. I don't know. Uh, I'm a crazy sheik. I can see you squirming. Yeah, you can't. Because you can't take that back. <laughs> you you no. can't undo that. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Morgan Holloway. Got some pukes. <laughs> Snorted poop <laughs> Shake snoot. Shake snoot. Privacy and discretion. Gee. I mean, yeah, everybody I wants it. to say they wouldn't do it, but if you see a briefcase open and there's $50 million in there, like, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't like this this hypothetical at all. I shouldn't have tossed it out. We Didn't we uh, say once would you sell your dignity or some shit? This is basically I mean, everyone's it. got a price. 
I got to say no. I got to say no to anything. I got to say no, no, no. That's what I would. That's what I. That's what I say. I'm not. No. I would You're probably say no. I'd probably say no, and then and then like regret it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no, hey. wait a minute. I just blew all this money. You didn't go to Romania, so why go go see uh, the shit? No, I or, mean I definitely could have been like a little plaything of Hollywood guys and gotten a lot further if I yeah. want. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to do that, so no, probably not. But it would, it did would, you ever it get a soft a, proposition? It would be a, it's it's never spoken about. Yeah, I heard it. Never, not, they never you, come out overt, but they just no. always say something sly, and you're like, but if you to get it. Well, and it's also like there's you have to get in with the communities somehow. You have yeah. to find you got to make friends somehow. So if you're just you know hanging out with these guys, well, that yeah. guy's an agent at CAA or whatever. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. So, oh God, I don't know, fifty million. It's a, <laughs> a lot of fucking money. Uh, well, luckily I'll never be faced with that proposition, so I won't have to make that decision. Thank God. Yeah. Initially, uh, at the beginning of this story, I'm like, man, we need to get famous so I, one of us can fight Floyd Mayweather and one of us, or we can tag team match the Logan, the, the Paul brothers. Hmm. No, I don't want to do that. Those I'd guys would kick the shit out of me. i fuck one of them up. I don't give a fuck. Dude, those guys are really, I mean, first of all, they're both big. They both are big, and now they've both been fighting like four or five years. So I mean, look, like... Jake Paul has got fast hands. I don't think he's a good boxer, but I, you leave I yourself open, just, you yeah, knock him right out. He probably would knock me out. That's because the longer they do this, the more serious it gets, and the more like you can see, like okay, they are getting better. So this is now they're now at least amateur level fighters at this point. Elvis and, asked, "Would I go woke for fifty million?" Now we've had this conversation before. Uh, and the answer is probably yes. Woke, yes. I, I would probably also go woke with it. Like, because woke. Million. Yeah, 50 million. Like, I'm not taking nothing in the pooper. I can't do it. But, like, for 50 million, I'll, I'll tell you fuckers a bunch of shit. Yeah, you're all white supremacists and um, all right, all hell white women, um, all hell LGBTQ, 50 mil. 50 million? I mean, that's a lot of I coin. might dye my hair blue and put a nose ring in for 50 mil. I feel really bad for all you guys, but yeah, I'd probably take the money. I mean, that's what I think a lot of these people in Hollywood are doing. They, like, they might not believe it, but they're, you know, they're taking the money, man. They're cashing their checks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs. Let's Ooh, change the subject. G- GMC Films, right before you do, he said, Ezra Miller, as a performer, if I ever saw one. Yeah. There's yeah. like no doubt about that. Hundred <laughs> percent. There's no doubt about that. Dude, dude it's like a cartel. Like, let's be honest. Like, like the the gays in Hollywood, it's literally like a cartel. It's like it's run. It, it's like you get you get in, and then that, that's like your people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you get like ahead. It's a very powerful contingency uh, in Hollywood, and it's like very well connected. It's interesting though, because like I knew gay dudes that like didn't. They were gay and they were in uh, Hollywood. They were actors and all that. Uh, like I knew one guy who was on Modern Family for like a long run. Oh, cool. But even he, man, he had a, a lot of trouble getting ahead. Like I don't know if he just wasn't sleeping around or or maybe they just didn't like him. I don't know. But I was like, I'm like, even you, Jesus. Jeez. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, Elvis that's... says for fifty million, I trash Matt and Erotic and all of you f- from CBR. No problem. <laughs> I think that's the truth. If someone just opens up a briefcase, uh, I think I'd still try to be subversive about it. I think I'd still try to be clever. 
you know, like saying Shit. things. Like I think I'd still try to like let like wink at you guys, you know. Yeah, you wink too much, it may take an eye out though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cosmic Fusion says for fifty mil for two dollars. Thank you, Cosmic Fusion. Hell, yeah. hey, Cosmic Fusion. For fifty million, I would go woke. Yeah, I think yeah. most people would. Most people. How would. low does that price have to go? Like, is ten k enough? I don't know. I mean, let's think about it. True, you are selling your soul. Yeah, that's true. Because it's like now you're just saying things you don't believe in for someone else's agenda for money. I mean, that's the only reason you're doing it. You've just sold your soul. Should we have us after having this conversation? Obviously, fifty million is such a dramatic number. That's one thing. Should we have a little bit? I don't know if sympathy is the right word, but at least more context on the shield class, who are just obviously, hey, here's fifty k or five k or or whatever it is, to talk great about Disney. I mean, right? There's YouTube channels that do it literally just so they can get screeners. Yeah. So I mean, like I, to me, that's too low of a price. Like, hey, I get to see your movie early. Like, hey, that's not enough. Uh, fuck you. Like you gotta cough up some bread, homie. Who the fuck you think this is? It would. I, I, I need to, a check. to sell this channel out. It would have to be a significant chunk. It's gotta be. I, I, would, I don't. I, it would I, have to be. Honestly, it would have to be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, would say, I know yeah, that it sounds has to be ridiculous, like but it's mid like six figures. <laughs> like because because it's not like that. I mean, that much money would make a huge difference in my life, but it wouldn't make my life. Yeah, I'm still kind of a, especially now with this damn inflation, I'm still middle class as shit. And then so, I'd have to like, keep doing this and lying to everybody, like making up takes I don't have for the rest of, fuck that. Yeah, and I wouldn't be making money off this YouTube channel. I would be selling out this potential because I know that shit's not going to work and people are going to see through it. And I'll get thirty to 40,000 like leftists who are just like, yes, Queen Slave. But I'm like, mm-hmm. my channel's potential has now been capped by this 500 grand. It's like, eh, I'd have to think about it. I feel like if if I'm at the position where they're asking me, it might be too late for them to buy me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would have to be like life. Like it'd have to be, you'll never have have to to work again. Now. It'd have to be, you'll never have to work again. Like you never have to work again. Here's a check. And then it'd be like, all right. Yeah. I still know. I'd have to really think about it. Go go meditate on it. Pray to God. Be like, "Uh, what do you think? (laughs) He's like, take the fucking money, stupid. No one's listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) You're not Rogan, chill. Yeah, shut up. No one likes you. Uh, Yeah. Um, Cosmic Fusion brings up a good one. I know we got to get to Chuck Dixon before we get out of here. Uh, We had to pay Rogan $100 He's still pretty based. Still getting in trouble. Right. No, I mean, look, Gary makes a good living at this, as far as nearest as I can tell. And so it's like it's possible to make your dreams come true, you know, ride it, you know, sticking by your word uh so you know I, I, that's why i mean it's it would have to be the type of money that would i'd never have to work again because otherwise i'd rather just keep doing this yeah me too me too um all right last article of the day mr chuck dixon explains what bothers him about race swapping and modern entertainment now we <laughs> talked about Look, uh, he just elbow and thor as the picture yeah it's funny because he's like the least offensive version of of like the race swapping thing yeah you're kind of like well you like edge yourself though (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's such a minor character it's like um but we as we talked about chuck dixon last week uh and chuck dixon is a like his pedigree in comics is indelible great writer 
like he he what did he he wrote for it said like it was the punisher in like the 80s and 90s yeah yeah he did the punisher and batman in the 90s which is like we're talking about the yeah he did bane bane is him really yeah the whole nightfall broken back batman that that's he, his idea yeah he, yeah he did punisher in the 80s and that's, that's like really a i those are iconic runs of those characters like like the punisher ones runs. is when he was just that's how he's defined yeah i mean and he also pioneered the nightwing series robin nightwing ah wrote 70 okay. issues dope yeah but like so, he was an impactful and those are all like impactful eras of though like the way those characters have been defined since he impacts he uh killy chow says he's comics gate is he i didn't know that's if he was says. officially comics gate but i know he seems to he seems to be. That's pretty cool. Does he maybe, have like? Maybe a, he's just saying that. Like, maybe yeah. he's just saying that he's saying Comicsgate like stuff. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that would be cool. I wonder if he's ever done um, one of those like go not go, go for, what's it called Indiegogo uh, sort of things because those things get pretty big for a lot of Comicsgate guys. It's true. It's true. Um, so let's read the article. It yeah. says, Legendary comic book writer Chuck Dixon recently explained what bothers him about race swapping in modern entertainment. Chuck uh, Dixon's explanation came during his latest episode of his ongoing YouTube series, Ask Chuck Dixon. I got to check this out, dude. Yeah. He's got some fucking hot takes, man. I like it. Um, Maybe we should ab- see if we can get Chuck Dixon on. Sure. Yeah, that would be Fuck great. It, let's try why not? Uh, Ablo Show asked Dixon, hope this finds you well. This might be a dumb question, but have you ever thought about doing a fantasy-type character like Conan or an Elric-type character in a pre-colonial Africa-type setting? Uh, I'm from South Africa, so I might be a little biased, but feel pre-colonial Africa is underused as a fantasy setting. By the way, I agree with this guy. Yeah, I've always felt that like the best way to to do this representation stuff right is to find stories that haven't been told or find African yeah. myths or something like that. Yeah, and there are tons of them. There tons to of be. them to there's yeah, a whole they, culture. They exist. <laughs> yeah. There are tons of them that exist. I mean, some of them were tossed in like a uh, Black Panther. Like Bast is an actual African god, mm-hmm. I believe. The god that supposedly gives him power. But like that's that doesn't count. Like there's actual full tellings of how these stories are. And yeah. it'd be nice to toss some of those out. That would be fucking awesome. I mean, we've been telling the story of like Beowulf for you know like millennia. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to like go in a different direction, hear some new stories, and not rob the integrity of the other ones. But we all know that's not the point. The point is yeah. to undermine the West. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, fantasy sword and sorcery, deviltry, and stuff like that of Robert E. Howard always intrigued me, and I always felt that sword and sorcery was a great went great with the more slob hero. Thanks to thanks for the new phrase, by the way, slob hero. Have you heard that expression? Heard that. No, I've not. Checking it out on the interwebs. Uh, hero and slob. I, I don't. Um, that must be some kind of that feels like SJWE or something like some kind yeah. of like someone came up with a yeah probably yeah I don't know what that is well if anyone knows in the chat would appreciate it um, gritty pulpy revenge tales the type of stuff I always thought you did great uh, your take on Frank is always fun show concluded oh that's the same guy okay uh, Dixon responded, this is such an awesome question. It's one I've asked myself over and over again. We're seeing now, and it's all due to this sort of woke period in entertainment, we're seeing a lot of gender and race swapping characters. 
Uh, and generally here in the United States, when they race swap a character, they replace a white character with an African-American. If you notice, they never replace an Asian or a Native American character with an African-American. It's always a white character. All good points. Interesting uh, how that works. I, yeah. I don't know what the point of that is, he says. Uh, Dixon continues, in some cases, it's okay. The equalizer with Denzel Washington I thought was great. Hey, it's Denzel. I mean, Denzel is going to play Macbeth. That's fine with me because Shakespeare is malleable in that way, so I don't care. Uh Shakespeare's plays aren't historical dramas. They're not historical recreations, so I feel it's okay to play with them. Also, I mean, how many times has Shakespeare been done? If, yeah. You know, do whatever you want with it at this point. It's yeah, 600 for, years old. Exactly. 600 years, you can do many things. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things about like the stage that gets underrated. You can be malleable and just do whatever you want because all that yeah. stuff is... It gets a little annoying when they make Macbeth a woman. You're like, all right... Then it just something I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? Now we're just now we're just entertaining you. Now we're just yeah. sort of you know what I mean? We're just like humoring you. Like, all right, you know. Everyone has to be represented, guys. It's just like yeah, but that's just you're just like, all right, whatever. Um Dixon then explains what he takes issue with. But the thing that bothers me about this bothers me about it it bothers me about it is that replacing a white character with an African American character, I don't care about cultural appropriation. That's nonsense. What does concern me is Aren't there any interesting African-American characters Thank on you. their own? I agree with this. 100%. Thank you. Aren't there any characters who build upon that heritage, that build upon the his- history in a positive way? I Absolutely. Mean, yes, a lot of people are. have been saying this. This isn't even you know a cutting-edge take. But, I mean, it's the guy who wrote Bane and the Punisher who's saying it. So that's where it's like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, cool. it carries more weight. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been saying this for a long time. It's just like, yeah, why not? Why can't we just see that? That's um, what I want. And then what they do, like, uh, take a character like Static sta- slash Static Shock. He's Static in the comic, Static Shock in the cartoon. Um, but then they, they redo his fucking history. Now he's a BLM member. It's like, oh, thank you. That That's, thank, I appreciate it. So then when they do it, they go, oh, we put it in the comics. It's like, no, but this isn't yeah, true to what no. the character is. No, you fuck the character up and then toss him out there. And then when he's not successful, oh, it's because they're racist. They don't, white audiences don't want black characters to mm-hmm. be off. It's like, no, don't fuck it up first. That doesn't count. Yeah, and then there's also like all these characters that like Gary's pointed out that are black or LGBT that already exist that aren't being portrayed because you know they don't have like the market value that these other characters do. So they take the character with the market value, then they race or gender yeah. or the sexuality sl- swap them, and then they get their brownie points and they get the market uh, value attached to the character. They're just yeah. snakes. It's cheap. But you know what? Even that's a bullshit excuse. As he, I think Gary's pointed out, sorry if we're just aping their writer for now, but mm-hmm. like Star-Lord was not a popular character before Guardians. And That's then they made him into a popular character. They didn't change him to do that. But just pick a character. If they would have picked a, uh, a black character and just made him Donald, uh, Donald Glover at a certain point in time when he was at his peak popularity, people would have just watched it because Donald people like Donald Glover. You yeah. That's what they did with Chris Pratt and, and Star-Lord. They could have done that with tons of black characters, but they didn't. They haven't. They didn't try. That's not what uh, they wanted to. Cosmic Fusion, sorry, for $5. Thank you, Cosmic Fusion. Much appreciated. He says, Chuck contradicts himself. You can race swap Shakespeare because it's not historical. I hate to break it to him, but comics aren't historical either. Yeah, I guess the idea is just like, like like we were saying earlier, Shakespeare has been done 300,000, you know, 600 years. Mm -hmm. 600 years they've been doing Shakespeare. They've been doing different versions of it. There's a million different remixes of it, too. Like, it's... 
it's beyond public domain. You know what I mean? It's been on. It's it's public domain. It's public domain. It's been. It's a part of culture to where it can be. There's jazz versions of, you know, Shakespeare plays. There's different remixes that have nothing to do with race. I said remixes, but just re envisionings that have nothing to do with race. Maybe in two hundred years. All of these myths can be in that space where you're like, oh, you can do whatever because they've been doing Superman for 300 years. But we're at that point. They've only been doing Superman for like 70 years. But I mean, even if they did a black Superman and he was still Clark Kent from Kansas, you know what I mean? I I, I wouldn't love it, but I'd be like, I'm fine with it. Like, as long as you don't change the the character is. But the problem is it doesn't come. It's not like you're not going to rewrite Macbeth. You can't. So. But what they will do is they'll rewrite the myth of Superman and make it about, you know, BLM struggles or something or, you know, LGBTs, yeah. whatever the hell. Like, they'll force their agenda in there. So it's like that's where I think it's different. I see your point. It's not a bad point. But it, I think it's different because it comes with a wave of agenda. They change the perspective of the character. Whereas, like, this is literally just another actor portraying the exact same role word for word as it's always been. Uh, where that when they race swap, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they bring a lot more agenda and a lot more changing of perspective of the character. So that's significant for the conversation, too. Yeah, the fact that one is going to be a rewrite of something and one is just going to be a literal word for word depiction is also a different thing mm-hmm. because they're not re like you said, they're not rewriting uh, Macbeth. Yeah, like you're if right Punisher about- was the exact same character, no changes, and he was black, I would be okay with that. Yeah. But that's not That's not what it's happens. It's not what they do. Yeah. Um, I, I I mean, we see a lot of negative stories if they do a historical story from a uh, from an African American perspective. It always has to deal with racism in some way, as that's not the only thing that matters. Uh, Thank as, you. as if that's not the uh, that's the only thing that matters in African American history. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And it's not because African Americans are part of the American story. Uh, and they shouldn't be represented simply as a platform for discussing racial disparity or the history of racism in America. As if America were unique, the existence of racism only occurred here. I think it demeans that heritage. I agree. That I is agree. like spectacularly well put. Yeah, that's, that is a great way of putting it. And it's I, I true. That's all I can better myself. Because yeah. yeah, it's like we're only avatars of oh, see how America's ra-. like we like all of our concerns are just the fact that we are oppressed. Like, we have no normal concerns. We have no normalcy of life. It's like we're only viewed through that one lens, especially when you talk about, like, liberal Hollywood. We'll never... That's why I've said... I've said this. We'll never get a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air again because every black character in every new show is, like, oppressed and a member of BLM or needs some white person to have impacted their life in a negative way. It's like we're not even our own characters, not even independent people. No. No, all representative of a group and a group mentality that not everyone shares. Yeah. It's not even universal in the black community. It's like there's so many individual black people who disagree with that kind of portrayal and that sort of collectivist mentality, but they are pushed aside and cast out. They're alt-right white supremacists. I mean, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy, according to them. So yeah. He's right. I mean, like uh, Dixon is nailing it. Like he, he's exactly on to the fact that ultimately, really, it does a disservice to the black community as much as anyone else. Yeah, the Fresh Prince, maybe of even BLM. more so. Um, D- 
Dixon then talks about the plethora of opportunity with stories set in Africa, the same for pre-colonial Africa. Talk about a rich tapestry. Talk about true diversity. You've got uh, you've got a continent. <laughs> it's a pretty big place, and many of its peoples are separated either by war or terrain or geographical distance. Uh, in Central Africa, you have tribes that rose up uh, with entirely different cultures than a tribe 20 miles down the river. Different language, different gods, different culture. So you've got this quilt of mythology and history and heroes and villains to draw from. My question, my only question is, why don't they do it? Even the Lion, even a Lion King is Hamlet rewritten. Uh, you, you mean there's not an African story? I can't believe that, he contends. That's a good point. And uh, I forgot, you, you guys are right, there is an actual Bel Air reboot that looks terrible. Oh, they're, they're no. doing yeah so oh no that sounds fun that doesn't sound awesome at all um nope. as for whether he would do a story set in pre-colonial africa dixon answered would i ever do this no i wouldn't have an interest i mean i think anybody should be able to write anything but if someone was going to write an african version of conan i would prefer it was an african personally because i would want their perspective of this uh so he's saying he wouldn't tell this story which yeah. In a different time, I don't think would be an issue, but now it would almost draw so much heat it wouldn't even be worth it. Yeah, he would get a lot of lot of shit if he uh, did that. But like 10, 15 years ago, if he like authentically adapted like a real African myth, it would be really fascinating and it wouldn't come with all the heat. But now it would just be, oh, this white guy telling a black story. Wow, why isn't it? It would just be, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. It'd be all negative press. Yeah, especially as somebody you say, oh, he's Commonsgate. They would really call him Commonsgate, all right, white supremacist. Mm-hmm. If he did that. Uh, similarly, similarly, if you were to write an epic story of the Monkey King, you would want a Chinese person to write it. I wouldn't want to see a movie of Mushashi Miyamoto written by a white guy. Some of these things are so bound to culture. I prefer to see what a, a person of that culture thinks about it. He says, I don't know what the Monkey King is never heard of that but okay but i mean it kind of brings up a decent point i mean it would be sort of weird that the first time an african myth is brought to the mainstream it's a white guy who does it not that that should matter necessarily but it does seem a little bit like uh it would be best if it wasn't a white dude i think ultimately for pr and perspective and and optics uh i think that that would be the best way to handle that but i mean ultimately i think it's more about the mythology and the culture and and, and having an interest in that culture so whoever did it i think it would be a, a noble effort a worthy effort but in our day and age like i said the press would just it would just be an exhausting amount of negative press unfortunately even if it's done with the best intentions uh sadly that would be the case i believe um dixon did reveal his plans for his own conan type character uh, personal, personally, Sergio Cariello and I have talked about a Conan-type character set in pre-colonial America. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of cool. I would, I, would, I would take a look at that. I mean, like four, 40,000 years ago with Native American characters in a Neolithic setting, nomadic Neolithic setting. Woolly mammoths and dire wolves and great beavers and all the rest. Dude, that sounds sick. I would definitely read that. If that was a video game, I would 100% play that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds pretty badass. Uh, the creator of Bane then returned to what bothers him about the race swapping. If you understand what I'm saying, by recasting white characters as black or African-American, it is demeaning because it implies that they don't have a culture of their own. And he, and he Thank adds, you. it's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree with the whole thing, man. I agree with the whole thing. I I, I feel like, ironically enough, I, I felt underrepresented by the modern uh, entertainment industry because, like, say what you will about a lot of sitcoms because not everyone was a winner, but there were a lot of, like, black sitcoms back when I was younger. They just existed, and there were just tons of them. And now there are very few of them, and they all have some stereotypical slant. And not to say that the ones in the past may not have had some in and of themselves, but it's like everything is either BLM or it was a Tyler Perry sitcom. It's like, I don't want to see this shit at all. I think ultimately, like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I think ultimately even men are underrepresented in cinema, even when it was like mostly men that were in cinema, because it really only portrayed them as these sort of invincible heroes, you know, like, yeah. And it's like, not that there's anything wrong with that. I like that kind of stuff, but like, it's not like I felt personally represented or like, you know what I mean? Like that. Oh, that I identify with that story. Cause that's like me. You know what I mean? Like, I still feel like there's, it's their myths and they're grandiose and this, that, and the other. So it's like over, you know, representation like what does that even mean representation is not even a requirement of entertainment no it's never at all that's never even been the point like you said i would say the point is non-representation the point is to show some fantastical uh thing that is close enough to reality to be relatable but far enough to be something to uh either aspire to or to detest away from like oh this character you know it's so extremely bad or whatever it is, but it, it, it's supposed to be a combination of relatability and, and myth and fantasy and, and fakeness. It's the movies. It's Hollywood. It used to mean it's fictional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not real. Even yeah, works like, of fiction, even books, they're not real. I didn't look at Indiana Jones and feel represented. Yeah. But I liked it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's maybe, you, maybe you could, uh, maybe like Luke, you know, there's more of a hero's journey there. There's more of just kind of like someone who's just on the sidelines and that's how you feel as like a kid. And then you can, you know, but still like, it's not like I felt like that was me up there. Yeah. Luke is probably more in a relatable. He was one of the more relatable characters. That was his, yeah. that was his big draw that he's relatable, but even like, yeah, Batman is more relatable quote unquote, because he doesn't have superpowers, but he does fucking have superpowers. He has Batman powers. He's mm-hmm. not, no one's really like that. Nobody is like this super rich billionaire. Who's also one of the world's greatest athletes and also one of the smartest humans on earth. Like, no, that's nobody. That is, that's a fake story. Yeah. I never like, I never felt like I was Bruce Wayne. Yes. Just felt like it was a story. Uh, anyway, though, I got to wrap up because I got to get going, get, get ready for work. Yeah, yeah, me, you and me both. It went, went, bit, went a bit long. Yeah, it went a little bit long. We wanted to cover yeah. everything we uh, set out to cover, though. So yeah. I hope hope y'all enjoyed uh, yeah. this this episode of the Culture Crime Fighters, number 46. But I tell you what, if you didn't get enough Culture Crime Fighters, and I know you want more, you can go on to Patreon right now. Patreon.com. Slash the Culture Crime Fighters, I think. Uh, and check us out. You just search us on, on uh, Culture Crime Fighters. $5 a month. That's all. For the very yeah. reasonable, modest price of $5 a month, you get four extra shows of the Culture Crime Fighters. And this week's episode, you're going to get us to <laughs> talking about relationships and dating fails. Uh, yes. And lots of embarrassing stories of us trying to pick up women and date girls, especially when we were younger and not knowing how to do it and embarrassing ourselves. Um, and it was I thought it was a really fun episode. It is a really fun episode, man. We're like 
I'm not to pat myself on the own, uh, on my back or pat ourselves on the back, but we are doing really cool stuff on the Patreon. It, it's worth checking out. I, again, $5 a month, that's a, a bottle of water a week. That mm-hmm. is something you spend accidentally. That's, there are super chats that are more than $5. So if, if you can do it, you will enjoy it. You will get your values worth. You will get your entertainment dollar worth. I'll say this. Now we can officially say this since we're all now providing our own entertainment. You will get more for your money giving us five dollars than giving Disney Plus five dollars. Hundred percent. If you, I 100%. mean, if you want to see Boba Fett that bad, I can't stop you. You're you're an adult. You're autonomous. But I'm telling you, we provide more entertainment value than Disney Plus. I, I'm saying it now. Join Follow the Patreon. Join the Crime Squad. Uh, they're really fun. It's the secret identities. We pull the mask back a little bit, talk a little bit more about ourselves, a little bit less about woke stuff, and I think it's a really, really good show. And I hope to see all of you there because uh, I think you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, and Toxic Man Flu is wrong. I actually talk about not patting myself, and Matt is amazed and shocked. So, yeah, you can hear about that if you want to yeah. on the Patreon. It's really, really fun. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Culture Crime Fighters. Like I said, go join us on Patreon for more content. Uh, And next week we'll be on Vigilante Williamson's channel, as we do. We switch back and forth each week. Uh, So subscribe to Vig. And uh, that's going to do it. Anything else, Vig? Uh, No, that's it. That's that's, that's it. If you want to see Boba Fett, you are automation. Yeah, I had no interest. Will there be strippers? How do we talk about strippers? That's unfortunate. I only went to one strip club one time, so not not enough strippers. Uh, but there's some cool stories. They're not all fails. There's some cool conquests. I'm sorry, '70s rock fan. I, I didn't I didn't notice you just because I don't see you in the Patreon. So I just my eyes couldn't focus on your on your uh, name in the chat there. Yeah. So my mistake. I apologize. Hi, rock fan. Do you feel hey, rock fan. now? What's going on, buddy? Uh, hail. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's gonna do it for us, guys. Uh, thanks for joining. Have a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And please sub to Matt. Sub, sub to both of us so you can Ooh, see us all the time. Sub to us. Bye bye.